Hello and welcome to the Shea Hates Everything podcast where we talk about video games, movies, comics, and other shit that matters. My name is Shay, and today I hate going back to real life after E3 is over and my four-day weekend is over. Ugh. I don't even know what that feels like because I'm done with work, <laughs> so I just yeah, yeah. have nothing to do. Yeah, uh, my yeah. name's my name's Kyle. Today I hate when my dog is sick. So what's going on with little Harry boy? So um, remember when you told me he should get all those shots and stuff, and I didn't. Oh no, yeah, it has nothing to do with that. Um, oh, he's yeah. <laughs> he's um, this has nothing to do with me being like a negligent owner or anything. Um, he is a small dog breed, and he has a long body and short legs, and those dogs are prone to having back problems. Mm-hmm. He is also a jumper, which means mm-hmm. he loves to jump up and down off of stuff, so when he lands, his spine compresses. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he actually has three spots um, where he has compressed vertebrae, um, so it's causing him a lot of pain. And so this has happened in the past where, like, I thought he, like, threw out his back or something, but then, like, a day later he was fine. Okay. Um, and so it happened again literally the day after the podcast last time on Sunday after we recorded it. Um, and so w- what happens, like, is like he doesn't want you around him. He moves very slowly. His gait is really weird. And, like, he's shaking and groaning, like, like, Aww. yeah, it's so sad. Um, and this has happened twice before. Um, so this was the third time, but again, like before it was like a day and he was fine. So it's like, okay, we'll just, I'll leave him alone. Cause like he does the thing that dogs do where he'll like go away from you. Cause he thinks he's right. dying and wants right. to be alone to die. Um, so he was like crawling under the bed, like not coming out and stuff. Um, and that went on for three days and he wasn't getting any better. So finally I called mom and i was like mom do you like do you have his papers and she couldn't mm-hmm. find his papers she's like i thought you had his papers i was like i never took his papers um so i guess we just don't have his info and she's like well the vet i took him to originally to get his initial shots and stuff um he sold his practice like he doesn't have a business anymore so i was like mm-hmm. crap okay whatever i'll just, I'll just have to call around and see the first place i called i was like yeah he used to go to like this doctor whatever and they're like doctor blah 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 he's like yeah that's him like well he actually sold this practice to this other person who should have all of his records so why don't you call gotcha. them and see if yeah. they have they had his records mm-hmm. he hasn't had anything done since 2013 um mm-hmm. so like no shots in like five years or anything <clears throat> um but they're like yeah just bring him in and we'll figure it out so i brought him in I paid $150 to get an x-ray done mm-hmm. of his spine because that's what they figured it was um, just because of the breed and how he was acting. And, like, they showed me, sure enough, on the x-ray where the problem spots were because um, there's, like, you can see, like, the rest of his spine has these nice even gaps between each vertebrae and then okay. these three spots where they're just smacked together. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and that's what was causing him all of his pain because there's a lot of nerves around your spine and so like that aggravates those nerves and that's why it's causing him a lot of pain so what they did is they gave him there's some sort of a laser treatment that i think like helps de-inflame the muscle tissue around those spots um crazy yeah and so like they did that and it's like you can't even see where the spots are in his skin or anything it's this Mm -hmm. i don't know it's really strange how it works um so they did that and that was pretty cheap 
I mean, the x-ray was the most expensive thing, but that was pretty cheap. And then they gave him a steroid shot and they put him on medication. So he's been on steroids for the past week and a half plus. Okay. Um, actually, around two. No. Yeah, we just started the second week, so about a week and a half. Um, so he's on steroid pills, and then he was on two different kinds of painkillers. He just ran out of the nerve pain painkiller yesterday, and I the other because those were capsules, so I couldn't like split those in half. Um, but the other ones were just like pills that I could cut. So the last couple days, I cut those in half and kind of like spread out his other painkillers. That was just like a general kind of like an ibuprofen for dogs. Um, mm-hmm. So I spread that out a bit for him, so it wasn't just like a total cold turkey shock. Um, and so right now he's he just had his last one of those, and then all he has left are the steroids, which he's now on. We're like petering them out because you can't just cold turkey the steroids because that would be very bad okay. for them. So he's like on the waning side of it. Um, he's doing better. He does this thing sometimes where he'll like he'll just he'll shake. And I, I don't know if it's because he's in pain or if it's because mm-hmm. he's anticipating pain. So he's like he's, he doesn't know how to move to not cause pain. Right. So like I I don't know. Uh, and they said like if this doesn't work, if this doesn't fix the problem, um, then like surgery is the next option, and that's yeah like a couple thousand dollars Expensive. that we don't have. <laughs> yeah. Um. So hopefully, like he's moving around the idiot. Because he likes to sleep up on the bed, and we have stairs for him to get on the bed. Mm-hmm. So he crawls up the stairs, and then, like, every other day, I'll wake up, and as soon as I start moving, he jumps down off mm-hmm. the bed. But, like, sometimes I can get him. I'm like, no, no, stay, stay. Right, to walk. But it's, yeah. it's hard because I'm, like, just waking up. I'm, yeah. like, my eyes open. Like, I do that deep inhalation of breath when you wake up. You're like, no, don't move. Don't stop. <laughs> don't move, dude. Right. Just stay there. Um you need to like prepare your dreams yeah. so that you're dreaming about telling him to not jump down. Yeah. But he's like, we let him out and he runs around and he mm-hmm. looks really good, uh, especially compared to where he was like a week ago. Like a week ago, he wasn't moving um, and he was just shaking all the time. And so now it's just seemed like we're not picking him up. We're not like, which is a bummer because he really likes to be held like a baby and then have his yeah. stomach scratched. <laughs> yeah. um, but I'm just, I'm too afraid to pick him up. So I'm, we're just not doing that. I don't want <clears throat> to aggravate his back. Um, so, yeah, I think like a sick animal is infinitely sadder and more affecting than a sick person. <laughs> because like they can't right. tell you what's wrong exactly and, like, they don't really understand why they're in pain you know yeah so it's very sad it's like i mean it's like a like a a baby it's that kind of thing where like you know if you have a child and or your child is a baby and it's sick that's even more panic inducing because you don't know how to help them because right. you don't like they can't they express can't to you what's wrong you. yeah 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 i always get that way with beamer like, I just, like, I, I tell me what's wrong, bud. Yeah. <laughs> and he can't. Yeah, so it's very sad. But he, like, he has a lot of his energy back. Like, we, in, like, a week and a half, we hadn't played with his toys or anything. Like, he, we usually do, like, a little tug-of-war thing, and he chases them mm-hmm. around and stuff. And he did that yesterday a little bit, which was good. So I think he's feeling better. It's just a matter of trying to make him take it easy. Right. Yeah. I know we talked the last episode about Beamer and having his surgery and right. his cone and stuff. So yesterday he got his stitches out, 
which okay. he is very happy about because now he doesn't have to deal with the cone anymore. <laughs> he's uh he's he's a lot more cheerful of a dog. He's still a little um like his leg I can tell is a little stiff still. Like kind of when he walks, he has like a little bit of a limp. Okay. But uh, they said that'll go away, and he's still back to his old energy levels and everything, which is really good. So. Beamer at least is on the mend, so hopefully Harry will be on the mend soon too. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, he's an older dog. He's like nine, right. eight, ten. So, yeah, it's the time when that start that stuff starts to happen. Unfortunately, yeah, but he just has like this really youthful puppy energy about him right. all the time. Yeah, except when he's tired. When he's tired, he's a grumpy <laughs> old man. Um, <laughs> But, like, when he's up and about, he has this really great energy. And it was so sad to, like, see that completely gone when he wasn't feeling yeah. well. It's very sad. Mm-hmm. But I think he's, he's doing a little better, I think. Good. Well, in between the last episode and this one, it was your birthday. Oh, yeah. You turned 26? Nice job. <laughs> you, you get the Brother of the Year award. <laughs> I always try. I, it's because it's I remember when you were born, I was five. But the whole thing is because um, my because I'm in April and you're in June. For those like two months, I'm five years older than you. But right. then when you hit one, or, like it's actually four years. Yeah. And, that's, I and we were always four grades apart because I was right. like the youngest person in my grade because a June birthday made me eligible to like be in either one. Like mm-hmm. mom could have waited or mm-hmm. pushed me ahead and she went ahead and sent me to school a little bit earlier. So, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I was always one of the younger ones too, just having an April birthday. I know one of my friends, his my birthday is on April 12th and his was on April 11th, but he was a full year older than me. Oh, wow. Because he, cause he went in late and I went in early. So, okay. yeah. Now that doesn't matter at all. It's <laughs> yeah, so exactly. weird. Like, that's such like, a big thing when you're in school. Like, oh, are your friends older than you or not? And now that I am the age that I am and out of school, who gives a shit, like, yeah. when your birthday is? <laughs> yeah, well, it especially matters, like, when you're turning 21, like, in college. Like, sure. In your, because yeah. all of my friends were 21 before me. Um, yeah. It's like I couldn't go to bars and stuff with them. And I wasn't, and about, I, I wasn't about to... 16 oh, yeah, is the other driving. big one. Because, like, yeah, all your friends have their license and right. you don't have yours yet. I remember that being a thing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, you do anything exciting for your B-Day? Um, the big 2-6? So, I, the, got, uh, I got lunch. It's the first birthday where nothing matters Where nothing anymore. matters anymore, yeah. <laughs> where your birthday uh, doesn't matter. <laughs> I would actually argue that's every year. Um, <laughs> so, like, a sick dog and now Kyle. Like, <laughs> this is, nothing matters. Um, <laughs> <laughs> happy podcast. Uh, yeah, I grabbed lunch with mom. We got sushi, which was awesome. And then I grabbed uh, dinner with Kara and my dad. We had Olive Garden, which was super delicious. Oh, uh, just your almost, dad? <clears throat> yeah. It's I'm, not my dad. Well, I'm speaking to the listeners. <laughs> Our father. Right. Um, who are not in heaven yet. Um, hallowed be his name. What the hell are you talking about? I, you know the Our Father. Yes, I, the Lord's Prayer. Heaven. I know the Lord's Prayer, but yeah. why would you say that? Why I don't would know. you say that? Because I said Our Father, and it just came to mind. And it's early. I'm yeah, just, that's fair. I'm spitballing. Um, 
<laughs> I'm working on my stand-up routine. <laughs> Our father. Uh, okay. So, um, yeah. So, yeah, nice, nice, chill birthday. Um, and, it, you know, it took place in the midst of, like, r- uh, right before all the E3 hype. Right. Or, or during the E3 hype before E3. Um, yeah. So that was, I had something to look forward to in the coming days after my birthday. Well, it's funny. It's funny, like still working in education, because I know growing up, your birthday was always like right at the end of school mm-hmm. or like the beginning of summer vacation. It was right in that period, right? And now that you're still working in education, like it's still, it's that. still that. Is that does that make it ex- more exciting? Of like, not only is it my birthday, but I don't have to go to school, or I'm almost done with school. I couldn't give two craps about my birthday, man. I'm just glad to not be at work. <laughs> right. That's fair. I always take off for my birthday. I like I'm not gonna work on my birthday. I'm just yeah, not, I'm I wonder because I've never had that. I've never like yeah. had to work on my birthday, and mm-hmm. so I wonder if I would take off. I probably would. Like why the hell not? It's your birthday. Yeah, I don't want to go to, even if I'm not gonna go do anything. Even if I'm just gonna sit at home and like watch a movie, I don't want to go to work. It's my day. Yeah. And I guess I would be much less inclined to deal with people's bullshit on that particular day. So it'd probably right. be best that, depending on the job, I should not go to work. <laughs> that you're not around other human beings. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you didn't say hello when I walked into the store. Well, it's because you look grumpy as fuck, Grandma. Mm-hmm. Peace. <laughs> it's my birthday. <laughs> Speaking of special days, yeah. we're recording this on Sunday, which is Father's Day. And yes. I know my dad sometimes <laughs> listens to the podcast. So happy Father's Day, Dad, to my dad, not Kyle's dad. So, Kyle, do you want to wish happy Father's Day to your dad, whoever he may be? Uh, my father, who art not mm-hmm. in heaven. Right. Um, <laughs> happy Father's Day. <laughs> um, yeah, happy, happy Father's Day, Dad. We love you, man. And to all the other pops out there, the, the f- dad listeners of the podcast, happy Father's Day. Well, I don't, we don't know them. So why Yeah, but it's just a day. Like let them have a day. They already have people wishing them happy Father's Day. I don't feel right? like we we're should one be them. obligated to also I'm not ob- I'm just doing it. It's not ob- I'm not obligated. Hmm. I go I guess I did write it on the show notes, which means I have to say it. So right. maybe but I also wrote it. You like Ron so Burgundy. If I created... if it's on the show notes. Yeah. You have to read it. <laughs> happy Father's Day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um in almost as exciting news, yesterday, because it was the end of the like PlayStation Days of Play, where you had, they had like discounts on some games and consoles, and they they had like a special edition PlayStation Four that blue one. Did you see that? Yeah, it looked really cool. Obviously, yeah. I'm not going to go buy a PS4, but right. it looked very cool. And as part of that, the PS4 Pro was discounted to 350 instead of 400, and so I bought one. Because I've been meaning to buy one for a while, and I just have been too lazy to, like, run to Best Buy or whatever. Do you feel more professional now? Oh, hell yeah. Okay. I am a professional. I am a PlayStation 4 professional. All right. Check out my Twitch channel, (laughs) PS4 Pro. Shay hates PlayStation 4 Pro. Lowercase x, capital X. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's lowercase x, capital X. Shay hates... Xbox, capital X, lowercase x, <laughs> Microsoft. Um, I like the idea yeah. of there being three X's in a row. <laughs> exactly. <at the> <laughs> Xbox, XX. 
so I haven't done anything with it yet. I mean, I got it all set up. I got my uh, original PS4 stuff all transferred to the PS4 Pro, which was a surprisingly simple process. And I know it was simple because I was able to do it. Like, I just basically had to, like, they have to both be on, and then it automatically prompts on the Pro, because it recognizes, hey, you have another PS4 turned on, and it's the same username. Do you want to transfer stuff? And I'm like, hell yeah, I do. And then I just had to connect them via an Ethernet cable, and that was it. It took, like, an hour and a half, and everything's good to go. So I need to go in and wipe my regular PS4 to factory reset or whatever, and then... I guess the, one of the reasons it took me a while to get the Pro was I was trying to figure out how I wanted to buy it. Like, oh, do I want to trade in my old one to GameStop and get the credit to use on a PS4 Pro? Because you can get, like, extra 50 bucks or right, whatever yeah. for doing that. But um, I wouldn't have been able to transfer all my stuff because I wouldn't have both consoles. Well, I wonder and that if... that would have been tedious. I wonder if they would have let you... Because, like, when we... Uh, when uh, when I worked at GameStop, we would let people like we would hook up their new system, um, and then like transfer their stuff for them, and then like finish oh, out really? the transaction kind of thing. Yeah. Hmm. So like, um, we would have both consoles behind the counter, and I th- right. I think we would finish the. Mm, we okay yeah so we would test their old console for trade in. We would finish yeah. the transaction. And then we would we would be the ones who transfer everything to the new one, and right. then wipe the old one, and then file it away and stuff. We would sometimes do that for people. Um, I wonder if they would have done that for you. Yeah, that's interesting. Maybe, they, but for like, I guess it's possible, but that would take like two hours to do that because you have to sit and wait for the whole thing to transfer. That just seems oh, it really does take annoying. that long. Yeah, to transfer. Okay. I mean, it was transferring like. 400 gigs of information okay. to a new one. Yeah. All my games That's and true. All, like, all that stuff. Yeah, see, we were um, doing like Xbox 360s and PS3s at that point. Right, where it was like one console or the other, the same thing. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, I guess, I mean, I was, you know, I wanted to be able to do that myself and make sure that everything was transferred before it was wiped, so I just went ahead and bought it, and I guess I'm going to try to sell my PS4 on the Facebook Marketplace. I had a lot of people recommend doing that, Okay. and I looked... And there are a lot of people on there, like, selling stock PS4s with a controller and, like, two games for, like, 250 bucks. So I might just go in and undercut and say, like, hey, here's my PS4, a controller, and, like, find old games that I'm not going to play, like, Battlefield 1. Like, games that people would care about if they're going to get a new system and just see, like, hey, $200. Because I'm not looking to, like, make a ton of money on it. I just want to make back enough to help justify my purchase of a pro so sure. if i could get 200 bucks for it that means the pro cost me 150 dollars. that's yeah. pretty good to me well, so I mean, if people are on there with the stock ps4 controller and cords and stuff for 250 you should do your stock controller cords and stuff maybe throw in an hdmi cord if you have an extra one and then your mm-hmm. games and then also do 250 yeah We'll see. I need to do a little more research and see what other people are asking for. Sure. Um, Because I also don't want it to take six months to sell this. I want to get rid of it because it's just sitting there. Okay. So, um, yeah, it sucks because, like, I really wanted to get one while I was playing God of War because that's, like, a really good showcase of the console. But I've beaten God of War. I don't have any other really new games that are coming out soon that are, like, big AAA games. The next one I can think of is Shadow of the Tomb Raider, which comes out in September. And so I'm like, 
I don't really have anything to play that's like gonna really show off this big upgrade I just made. Right. So I'm probably just gonna go back and play some more God of War just so I can see it. Um, I was telling Kelly about the console, and as soon as I booted it up, and we were like at the regular uh, cross media crossbar, whatever, yeah. and she immediately was like, "I can already see a difference. Just the the iconography of the games and stuff. Like it's it's so much Crisper. more crisp and detailed." Yeah. So. I noticed it a little bit. It wasn't a huge thing to me, which is why I really want to play a new game. And maybe playing a game I've already played is the best route because then I can more easily compare. So I'm going to check out God of War the next couple of days and, and kind of see what it looks like. I just wish nice. that I had like a big new game to play on it. Yeah. Because the next game that I was going to try to play is Red Dead Redemption, which is on my PS3. So <laughs> not even going to use the PS4. But You could get Detroit Become Human. I, yep, I could. That could game do would that. Look real good in 4K. Yeah, but I don't want to play it at all because it looks dumb as shit. So, nah, it's good. That's fine. If you like it, you like Quantic Dream games. I happen to think they are terrible, so I don't want to play that. <laughs> hmm. But speaking of video games, should we talk about some video games? Because there are lots of video games. Well, real quick, I just wanted to say. Mm-hmm. I went to the Origins board game convention. We're recording this on a Sunday, so yesterday, Saturday. And it's the first con I've gone to in a while. Um, Mm -hmm. I didn't wear tall enough socks for my new shoes, so I have giant blisters on the backs of my feet. Um, That sucks. (laughs) And my shoulders hurt really bad because we got, like, a bunch of, like, swag bags and, like, D&D stuff. And then I bought some board games and all that. Um, you're carrying it all around yeah so my shoulders hurt a lot and i walked like four or five miles total yesterday which is for me a whole hell of a lot um but that, that was that was really cool origins mm-hmm. board game convention totally worth going to where was this this was at the convention center in columbus ohio okay so it's, it's a pretty big thing yeah and it, I, they did it on the same day as the Pride Parade, and they were next okay. to each other. The parade went past the convention center, so that That's area fun. of town was a mess. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so it was funny because Kara, my fiance, she went to Pride to support a couple of her friends. Mm-hmm. And then, so, like, she went her on her own schedule doing her own thing with her friends, and then I did my own thing with my friends, and we're, like, literally <laughs> next to each other the whole day, basically. Right. Which was kind of funny. Um, but, like, I mean, she couldn't get into where I was because she would need, like, a pass and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Like a ticket or whatever. But, yeah, Origins Board Game Convention. Highly recommend. It was very cool. So, what do they what do they have there? Do they have, like, are there announcements that happen? Are there, no. like, uh, showcases well, and stuff? So, it's a it lot of, boots? like, game demos. Like, they have tables set up where you can play their game. Um, right. And there are some new games there um, that have, like, just launched where, like, no one on any forums would know anything about it or be able to tell you what it's like or there are no videos or whatever. So you can just mm-hmm. go and, like, play it. And, like, you can get the games cheaper there, like, five, ten bucks off. Um, and there are some games that would be, like, hard to find in stores. Um, like, th- there's a one game in particular, Gloomhaven, is this, like... $200 board game it's massive mm-hmm. and it's like it changes every time you play like every time you play it it um what you do affects the world um and so that carries over to each next time you play it kind of thing um 
It's a really popular, very difficult tabletop game. Um, it's very expensive, and it's like even online, you have to pre-order all of their different runs of it because they like to have different printings um, as they like run out of stock and stuff. And so, like at the convention, they had a few copies. Um, so like people could cool. find them there, whereas like they would mm-hmm. have to wait probably weeks to find one online and pre-order it, and then maybe not even mm-hmm. get it, you know. Um, so there's a lot of that stuff. Uh, it's a lot of like uh, because there are basically publishers for board games like Aiello, um, Raven. Uh, I'm trying to think of some other big ones that off the top of my head, and I'm not as into that scene as some of my friends are, so I don't know as much about it. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, they have, like, all of their games there. And so it's okay. just, like, they're all together. And there are people who work for the company that are working the booths. They can talk to you about the games and, like, give you a good idea of what you might like and stuff like that. And there's a lot of, like, the miniature scene is really big there for, like, the tabletop sure. games that you need miniatures for. Um, yeah. And they, like, have tons of them on display <laughs> and for sale and stuff. And there are, like, a lot cool. of, like, merch vendors that are there. A lot of artists. Um yeah, there's like a really wide variety of stuff going on, which is really cool. Um, hmm. I really, I really liked it. It was a lot of fun, and they have like a lot of events going on throughout the day that you can um, participate in and, and and do stuff. Like they have like Magic the Gathering tournaments and right uh, uh, and stuff like that. So a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff going on. Kind of something there for anyone who's into that sort of thing. So it was neat. I had never been before, but my friends have gone like every year, so it was cool to have them talk about like what it was like in years past and yeah because it like it took up three giant rooms and apparently it was just <laughs> two last year so this year is way okay. bigger um so that was cool yeah it's a lot of fun do you still go to gem city comic-con at Wright state so i will go with them if they ever go to a con and i'm available i'll go with them but i never yeah. seek that stuff out on my own because i want to yeah. go with people Right, that's kind of where I am too. I I haven't really because like they have Dragon Con here in Atlanta, which is a pretty big like nerd convention. Yeah, like a lot. And of I've big never names gone go just because I just, I just don't really have anyone to go with. So I'm, I don't know. I'm not going to go by myself. And like Kelly would go with me, but she's not going to really get anything out of it. So I don't know. I, I would like to go one time just because it's a pretty big deal. And I yeah. used to go to Gem City Comic Con when I was in college. Which was like a fun place to buy old comics and be around other people, but it it was a it's a pretty small convention. It's just like the one big room yeah. at Wright State. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I would certainly like to go to those kinds of things that ha- that have like, what do you even call it? Like, ah, uh, uh, shit, um, like that giant bomb does where they host like a room of people and they just yeah, talk. panels. What's that? What's that called? A panel. That's the word. Yeah. I would like to go to a place that has panels and stuff just because I'd, I'd be curious to see what it's like, but maybe someday. Um, all right. Well, let's talk about E3 because, like, obviously E3 happened. Yeah, it's man. It's the biggest week in video games that we just kind of closed out on. So what I thought we might want to do is run through all the press conferences and just talk about all the big games from each press conference. It's kind of what we did last year. Um, which were the first episodes of the podcast, and we kind of broke them out into separate episodes per press conference. And I just kind of wanted to make it all one big E3 extravaganza this year. So, um, yeah, we'll just go kind of like chronologically through the press conferences. We can start with E3. We'll just talk about like what we kind of thought of each press conference, the big games, etc., what they showed. Um, 
and kind of see where that takes us. And then if we have time, we can kind of talk about the stuff that we've been playing and watching lately. But since this is the E3 thing, I wanted to make sure if we spend three hours on E3 <laughs> that we get through it all. Um, so EA, I feel like every year it's, you know, you know what to expect from their press conferences because you know you're going to get all the sports games. Um, you know you're going to get kind of their big updates for games that are already existing. There are rarely big surprises at EA. Right. But it is always like I go in with nervousness because I expect that their press conference is going to be bad. Because I feel like the last several years they've had bad press conferences. Yeah, like they're not organized well and they have no right. flow. And, and it's like, because they're a big publisher, they need to hold their thing. And now that they're separate from E3, they're doing their own EA Play, like, off-site. Right. You'd think this would be different, or, like, a different kind of approach. But I remember a couple of years ago, maybe it was, like, 2015, where they were showing Mass Effect Andromeda and uh, Mirror's Edge Catalyst as, like, some of their big games. And I think they announced Star Wars Battlefront that year, too. But they didn't show any of those games. They did, like, developer diaries with some concept art. And it was like, this is cool. I like learning about developers. But let me watch, like, a documentary if that's what I'm going to do. Don't show me, like, a five-minute highlight reel of random devs talking about random bullshit. It just didn't feel at all like a press conference. This wasn't totally the same, but it was a little bit the same for me in that I just don't feel like we saw that much. So they started off the show with Battlefield 5, which I anticipated being Battlefield 5 and Anthem. I anticipated being their big things. Right. Like they were going to open and close the show with those two, which they did. But I thought they were going to do something similar to last year with Battlefield 1, where like we would see people playing the game or they'd have some tournament or live match, or we would see some gameplay. Yes. Yeah, or dogs, even part of the story weed. mode. Exactly. <laughs> we three. Um, and they, fu- like, we didn't. We got a quick trailer, which looked cool. But that was it. It was just a trailer of the multiplayer. We didn't get any context on the single player. No actual gameplay happening. It just felt like a really underwhelming way to open the show. And a really underwhelming way to showcase a game that's coming out in like four months. Yeah, for And sure. then they were like, hey, if you're interested in the single player, stick around for the Microsoft press conference. Which, I get it. It's third-party partnerships. They're going to show games multiple places. Ubisoft did the same thing with a bunch of their games. But like... It just was, I don't know, I was very underwhelmed with what they showed of Battlefield Five, Especially come to find out that shortly after the show, a lot of the big YouTubers that do Battlefield content had Battlefield Five stuff to show. Actual yeah. gameplay where they talked about it. Right. And, like, I watched a couple of those. Because they're, like, when I was into Battlefield, Battlefield 3, 4, and 1, there were some guys that I followed that I haven't watched in a while. So I watched some of their stuff on, like, the new game modes, etc., just to see... And it was so obvious that, like, EA had provided them a script to talk about different aspects of the game and, like, be excited, say about everything, how everything is looking great. Because it's a it's a paid ad. Like, going into it, right. the dude that I was watched was Jack Frags. And he was like, hey, this is sponsored by EA. Which immediately is like, okay, so this is a marketing video. This isn't a YouTuber I like talking about his experience with the game. This is very prepared talking about the things that EA wants him to talk about. And they very clearly paid him to do this. And, like, I get it. That's kind of this influencer marketing. It's a thing. It just still feels... 
it's bad. I don't know. Some something about it feels disingenuous. It's Even bad. though they're up front, it is that it's disingenuous an though. Yeah. Because like they are using their platform to sell you something right. for their benefit, for their money. But is it gain. is it is it different than like Shaq being in a commercial telling you to buy gold bond powder? No, but that's bad too. Like the whole uh, see, idea a- of using people's names to sell you things i think is bad i understand why people do it you need the Mm -hmm. money and i understand like but like my problem is that it's bad because it works because people associate (laughs) products with the people that are selling it to them sure and so that's why they buy it i think that's what's really bad about it but if it didn't work then it wouldn't happen and it wouldn't exist and people wouldn't be able to make a living off of it it's like i get why it is but i do think it's bad yeah i mean i don't have a problem with the commercial stuff with with paid spokespeople i just i mean i just accept that for what it is because it's been around forever but to me the difference is like when i'm watching Shaq try to sell me gold bond it's in a commercial between a show that i'm watching which is obviously paid for by gold bond when i'm on jack frags's youtube channel and he is making a video of himself talking about Battlefield. That feels a little more slimy to me because there isn't the assumption that this is a commercial. Okay. Because the rest of his content is original. It's him talking about the things that he wants to talk about. Yeah. But this, it's some. Even if he admits up front that it's sponsored by EA, I guess I need more. I think there should be more transparency. Where he, like, at the beginning of the video, he should say. This is a paid video by EA. They told me the things to talk about. Here it is. Like, here is the gameplay, and I will talk about the things that they told me to talk about. Because I guess just saying that it's sponsored doesn't imply that he's doing exactly what EA wants him to do. Which, to be fair, there is a chance that isn't what is happening, but I find it very hard to believe that EA would pay him to cover their game and not tell him what to talk about. Because then he's going to come out and be like, oh, this thing, and I hate this aspect of the game. That's not going to happen. They're not going to continue using him as a partner. So there's the implication that he's going to be positive about everything because they're paying him to talk about it. So I don't know. I think that's the problem for me. But that's a whole other topic that we could get into. The core of it is like it feels weird for them to only use external partners in the marketing of their multiplayer this was definitely the really... year of the influencer like for sure <laughs> well yeah there were there was plenty of that last year when uh was it ea i think it was ea that had that live stream guy come out and intro something and it was that really awkward oh, intro yeah. where like it, it was so painful yeah and he was he just he that kid was such a tool you could just tell it was ea wasn't it yeah I mean, no that was at the game awards it was at the Game Awards, not not EA or not E3. I might be getting it mixed up, um, but yeah, anyway, maybe you're right. Maybe it was Game these Awards. people use they they use like celebrities to come out and intro their stuff. And EA brought out you know that for their Madden segment, they had Juju Smith Schuster, who's a wide receiver for the Steelers. He came out and like talked to whatever that like Madden esports guy in that ham fisted segment that was really painful to watch as well. So that stuff is not uncommon. It just I don't know. I don't like paid ad videos on YouTube. There's something about it that feels dishonest to me. With all that being said, actually watching some of those videos, the multiplayer does look cool, which makes me like, why the hell wouldn't they show more of it? 
right. the game looks good. Yeah. The nice thing was I worked on that Saturday, so I didn't get to watch EA live. So I mm-hmm. watched it when I got home, and I was mm-hmm. able to completely skip all the sports bullshit that was in the middle. Right. Yeah, that's always the section where I kind of zone out. They did at least... I was going to say they did at least spread that stuff out, but I'm not sure that that was a good thing. I almost maybe would prefer them to do it all in one chunk so I can, like, go get something to eat during it. Right. Yeah. Because they talked about... From this point until this time, we will be Mm -hmm. talking about... So you have this amount of time to go not pay attention. Yeah. And I, I... Like, obviously... It's just that we're not interested in FIFA and Madden and NBA Live. There are tons, millions of people that love those games. And I'm sure there are plenty of people that watch E3 that are also into those games. But part of it is, like, sports games are so separate from regular video games because it's such a different audience. Like, there are millions of people out there that play video games to play FIFA and or Madden and don't play any other video games. Like, those are the ones they play. And so, like, yes, they're still gamers. They play video games, but they're not plugged into the culture the way that we are. And therefore, I would also assume, like, what guy... Why would they be watching the press conference? Exactly. Who that only plays FIFA is going to watch the EA E3 press conference? Like, why does he give a shit? So it just always feels weird to have such a large amount of time focused on those sports games when my assumption is the main audience for those games would not be watching this press conference. I don't know, but, I mean, maybe they do watch it just so they can get the Madden or FIFA news. Yeah, or and NBA. maybe they do. And then, like, I guess maybe EA's hope is that they will then see something else that interests them. Sure. I guess. Yeah, that's I fair. Know. I would just be curious to know, like, if like that what is what happens. are on that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, obviously, you know, they talk about FIFA, they talk about Madden, they talk about NBA Live. I'm sure people that are into those... They made huge sweeping changes that are not huge or sweeping at all because they release a video game every year. How could you possibly iterate? Um, So those are video games. They talked about Star Wars Battlefront 2 DLC. So they had the Han Solo stuff, which just came out, which does look cool, like um, fighting on Kessel, that kind of thing. That looks fun. But they also announced that they're bringing Clone Wars stuff to Battlefront 2, which is very exciting. That's a big Um, thing. That's a big deal. Yeah. Like, you can fight on Geonosis and uh, the new heroes. They have, like, young Obi-Wan, young Anakin, Count Dooku. Uh, so all that stuff's pretty rad. I wish that I wanted to play Battlefront 2. I'm so turned off by how they launched that game that I just have no interest in playing it anymore. Even though they've walked everything back and it seems like they're trying to do the right thing. The poor developer, Dice developer came out on stage and like apologized for the loot boxes. And I was just like, I feel so bad for this guy because there is zero chance it was his idea to have this bullshit in in the game. It was the high ups at EA and he's the one that has to come out and apologize. That sucks. Yeah. But I just still, I don't want to play that. It just, Bad taste in my mouth about that he game. He is the reason I went and spent $20 on it. Like, I watched that press conference, and I was like, you know what? Now is the time. It is. It has been fixed. Mm-hmm. They have apologized profusely. Now is the time. So I went, and I bought it for $20. On Are you going to play the multiplayer? Um, I have not yet. I, I played and beat the single player. I have not mm-hmm. played the multiplayer yet. I don't know. I don't know, man. Because they, they have this whole big thing of, um, like, missions and stuff you can play against bots. 
So right. I think I'm going to do all that first, and then if I still feel like playing it... Because, I mean, at this point, I've already gotten my $20 worth. So I'm going to do that okay. stuff, yeah. and if I still feel like playing it, maybe I'll try the online. But it's just not yeah. my... It's not... I, I don't... I don't like it. I don't like playing online with people anymore. I'm the same way. And I like I look at something like Battlefield Five, and despite it looking really cool, I'm still on the fence of whether or not I want to get it because I just don't enjoy competitive multiplayer shooters. I just don't like those games anymore, right? Because they just frustrate me, and that's I have hit a point in my life where that's no longer what I look for in video games is being frustrated. So. I don't know, man. It's it sucks because like a lot of the stuff they talk about Battlefront Two, it sounds cool. Like that Clone Wars DLC sounds really cool. I just don't think I'm gonna engage with it. Right. Um, we had our first available now announcement with Unravel Two, which I hadn't even thought about them making a sequel. Like it Me hadn't neither. even crossed my mind. But it totally makes sense. I mean, the game sold really well and it had a lot of fans. I didn't enjoy the first game. I thought it had a lot of janky, frustrating yes. physics puzzles. I agree. I, I wanted to love it so much because I really enjoyed the aesthetic and it was adorable. But I just hated playing it. I thought it was actually bad. Yeah. And so I played it for a couple hours and was like, no, I can't. So this game is not an exciting thing for me. But it's really cool that they are making a second one. I think the... Um, Ability to play co-op is interesting. Yeah. And, like, even if you're playing solo, the fact that you still have the two Yarnies to control, that seems interesting as well. I'm curious to see how they actually make mechanics for that, where you, like, switch back and forth and move them around separately. Right. Because that seems like that design would be very different than for a co-op experience. So I'm curious to see how that how that works. Yeah. Um, I will say the parts where you, like, meld into one right. Yarny... Right. That's some body horror shit. <laughs> that was disturbing. <laughs> yeah. It's a weird game. Yeah. It's like it has that cutesiness, but it's also kind of dark and it's very like realistic backgrounds, which makes it seem otherworldly. It's a weird it's a weird game. Yeah. But I, I really like the aesthetic of it. Uh they also announced a new indie game called Sea of Solitude, not to be confused with Sea of Thieves, which <laughs> seems like a weird way to name this game. But they had kind of, I don't know if she's the executive producer or what, but uh, one of the creators of the game, who I believe was German, come out and kind of intro it. And man, she was compelling. Like her whole speech about like why they were making the game. I like I was really engaged with that stuff. Yeah. And then it went on like a little too long. Yeah, maybe long. a little too long. But I really enjoyed it. Like I when when yeah. developers can get out there and like show their passion and especially love like that. their themes, why they make the games. I love hearing about that stuff because it's it's an art. Like it, just like making movies, it's an art, and it comes from a an inner thing that they're trying to express. It's not this like it's like when you make music, you're not you don't make the beat first. It's, it's some emotion or feeling that you're trying to express right. that justifies the beat or the theme or whatever it is. Yeah, And, and just video like games in the same way and music, you can tell when someone is making something for money. You can yes, tell. Absolutely. Absolutely. Games of the same so way. That, it, it was cool hearing her kind of talk about, it. I wish we would have been able to see a little more of the game. It looks to me to be kind of like, for anyone that played Rhyme last year, where it's or even something like Journey minus the the co-op part, where it's like it's not an adventure game. It's not like a 
more, a it's story more of an interactive thing. experience. Yeah, it's kind of hard to categorize those types of games where it seems like it's kind of light on gameplay, I guess. Uh, but it's it's a little too early to tell, and I haven't yeah. seen anybody that played the game that kind of kind of speak a little. Uh, more succinctly on it but it looks really cool i I like the story that it's trying to tell and i mean it looks beautiful it has that kind of hand-drawn much like journey or rhyme kind of visual aesthetic to it uh with the kind of dark female lead character that's kind of like battling against herself so i'm i mean my as far as like the indie games go this was one of the ones that that piqued my interest more than most um then we got a painful Live demo of Command and Conquer Rivals, yeah. a mobile game what with shoutcasting. Like, if you're going to make a mobile game, who gives a shit? This seems like it's perfectly well designed. I have nothing against the game in particular, but like 10 minutes on the E3 stage, like a full gameplay demo with shoutcasting, it was just painful, I yeah. thought. I have seen a lot of people that were excited to play this, like people that are Command and Conquer uh, fans because they're not getting core Command and Conquer games. I just, I don't know, man. It, granted, it's a genre of game I'm not all that interested in, which is part of the reason, but it just, it's, that was painful. Yeah, that whole it thing felt painful. really tone deaf. Yes. It was like, you guys like mobile games? Like, <laughs> one person? <laughs> yeah! <laughs> all right, here's ten minutes Woo! of it! <laughs> right. <Woo! laughs> Everyone else is like, oh, fuck. It was bad. It was yeah. real bad. Um, And then they closed the show with, I would say a lot of time spent on Anthem, and not a lot but of not a lot of yes. <laughs> so we got like a trailer that was about the characters and kind of the world, and then we had like a Q and A session with Casey Hudson and a couple of the other uh, lead devs on Anthem from Bioware, where they just kind of talked vaguely about the development process and had some like repetitive gameplay and concept art just cycling in the background and my my, one of my biggest things about that segment was they cycled through those like quick video clips and art assets like four or five times yeah and like how do you not have so much more to show (laughs) like what like how do you not have hundreds of concept art pieces that you can have so that we're not seeing the same ones all over again? That just seemed like such poor planning. Like, did they think the segment wasn't going to be as long? Yeah, and it was I, the and, same with Battlefront 2. They showed that same little Han Solo yes, clip I forgot literally about that. like 13 times. I forgot about that. Yeah. And it's like it seemed so unprepared yeah. for one of the biggest video game publishers that has been planning this since like june 10th last year speaking of unprepared how about that star (laughs) wars announcement (laughs) oh oh fuck i didn't even write that down i totally forgot it's on here you skipped it yeah I, i skipped over it um oh yeah let's talk about that real quick and then we can talk more about anthem so yes star wars uh jedi fallen order which not to be mean about it but that's kind of a shitty name jedi fallen order like it's just kind of random words put together well it it reminds Um, me of the old like star wars jedi knight jedi academy but those make sense jedi knight jedi academy those are things that make sense jedi fallen order like that just sounds like a random jumble of star wars words yeah it doesn't flow it doesn't i guess is the thing but this is respawn's new star wars game which we had talked about last episode of being one of the things that we may have expected to see or especially i really wanted to see like this was probably my most anticipated announcement um 
and they announced it. I guess, but it's like they went down to the audience and sat with the guy. Yeah, it was like like Vince oh, Zampella. Look, look who's here! He's here. Right. Uh, we have a couple minutes to kill. Why don't Why don't you tell us about this thing? And he was like, "No, <laughs> right." <laughs> it, it felt like it because it, it was Andrea Renee who ho- kind of hosted. She was only really up there a couple times. I like her. I like her personality. She's been in the games industry for a while. Uh, she maybe seemed a little unprepared a lot during the conference, yeah. which is a whole other thing about E3 that, that drives me up the wall. These like hosts and behind the scenes segments and the intro, the people that are like hosting, but before the press conference and after they always are just terrible. Everyone that does that job is just so awful and bad at it. I don't know how they don't have better people to do this. Right. I don't know if they're just unprepared. They don't give them enough prep time. If people are talking in their ear too much, if it's bad production, I don't know what what the problem is, but it is a problem and has been a problem for over a decade at this point. Some like fix this, get better actors that can host this shit. But that's a whole other rant for another day. But yeah, she just like popped out into the audience. It's like, oh, Vincent Pella from Respawn sitting here. How about you tell us about that Star Wars game you guys are working on? And it <laughs> felt like like I'm I am sure they didn't just during the show decide to do right. this. I'm sure they knew ahead of time, but it felt like they just randomly decided to talk to him and, it, and force him to announce his game. In some ways like, it was so absurd, it kind of felt like a bit, but it was not a bit. Right. It wasn't a bit. And it if it was a bit, one. it was not a funny bit. Right. It could have so, been So the, at least we did get some detail about the game. So it takes place in between episodes Three no, in between episodes six and seven. So this is and you play no, as a three Jedi. And, three and four, because it's after order after the um the implementation You're right. of order sixty six. You're right. In between episodes three and four, you play as a Jedi that escaped order sixty six, and it is a third person game. It is not first person. It is a third person game that seems like it's going to be more story focused. Yeah. Um. More of a you know the, of a a story campaign mode versus like be, the focus being on multiplayer. I can't imagine there won't be multiplayer, but it seems like they're really focusing on the story side, which that all sounds great. I maybe would like to see a Star Wars game where you don't play as a Jedi, just because I feel like we've done that a bunch. Um, but I could still get excited about this, and I mean it's respawn. They're a really talented studio. This it's just crazy to me because I my assumption was this is going to be a first person shooter set in the Star Wars universe, and it's I think now that we know it isn't, this is smart of them to not do that because we already have Star Wars Battlefront. So this makes sense to me why they're taking it in a different direction. Yeah, I just I keep thinking back to how he delivered all of his responses to her questions and it was like it was very clear he didn't want to talk about it yeah so like he really didn't want to talk about it and i get it they, they don't have anything to show he, he he even said like they literally just nailed down the name like right. weeks earlier like they just were able to have the name done so I, this has to be a very early on game like right. a 2020 game so i get why he wouldn't want to announce it they, but i think it was like EA looked at the stuff they had to show and we're like, we need another big announcement because we don't have any because the, the two games that were announced were unravel two and sea of solitude. I mean the new sports games, but you know, those are coming. Those don't really count as announcements. So like they didn't have any big triple A announcements. So I get why they wanted to do this, but it was not well executed maybe. Um, but Anthem. So we got the Q and a stuff 
some of which I thought was kind of interesting. Like they talked about the four different classes a bit, um, some of the enemies and a little bit of the world building, but there wasn't a ton of meat to take away from that Q&A. It was like they were yeah. trying to fill time, right, frankly. Right, right. Um, and then we saw a gameplay trailer that was it well obviously was not a live demo, but it was like a sequence. It wasn't just like super clips that they were taking, but it was very highly edited. Like there were a yes. bunch of cuts and skipping things, which made it feel very disjointed and yeah. kind of confusing. There was no flow and just very, frankly not that effective. And like it didn't seem all that different than the gameplay, the actual gameplay demo we saw last year when they announced the game. So, I don't know, dude. I'm very nervous about Anthem. So, they've done several, like, behind-closed-doors demos where people, like, hands-on demos, and all of the reactions to those have been very positive. People in the industry saying, like, this, like, it feels really great to play, the combat feels great, the jetpacking around, that all works really, really well. So, Mm -hmm. from a fundamental gameplay level, much like Destiny, at the very least... It will feel good and be fun to play. That's exactly what I was going to bring up because that's how people reacted to Destiny. Right. Was like, man, this game plays well. And then when you ask them about everything else about the game, you get a, uh, I don't know so much about that stuff. <laughs> yeah. The story and how you engage with the world and the co-op, all that stuff from- was seemed like it might be a miss with Destiny and was a miss. And this game, now to me, is Destiny. Like... Everything about it. Going into this, I was like, are they going to show more where it feels single player? Are they going to show more where it feels different than Destiny? And it just feels like they doubled down on this is a Bioware Destiny game. And that I don't want to play because I already know how I felt about Destiny. Yeah. I. This is the team that wrote the good Mass Effects. Okay. But they also wrote Dragon Age Inquisition, Inquisition, which didn't have that great of a story. This is also the team that wrote Dragon Age 2, which didn't have that great of a story. Uh, Dragon Age 2 had a good story. It was the stuff around the story that wasn't so great. Um, like the amount of assets in the game. Um, right. Like The talent is there. And I don't know what happened or how they lost the ability to tap into it. But hopefully they find it again. My thing is... I I liked Dragon Age 2 more than most. I liked Mass Effect 3 more than most. I liked Dragon Age Inquisition more than most. But none of those games are anywhere near as good as Dragon Age Origins, Mass Effect 1, or Mass Effect 2. Their recent games have not been as good as their earlier games, since they were purchased by EA, frankly. And so, at this point, I know it's a different team than Andromeda. I'm not holding Andromeda against Anthem. But at this point, I can get excited about a Bioware game because I liked Mass Effect 3 for all its flaws. I liked Inquisition for all its flaws. But it's not the same excitement as I had going into Mass Effect 3 and Inquisition. They have not, in the past, like, 10 years, they have not proven to me that they are still an elite studio like someone like Naughty Dog, where you know every game they put out is going to be amazing. They are no longer that studio. And so I can't get that excited for Anthem. I can't go into this game assuming they're going to fix the mistakes of Destiny. So, I don't know. That's where I'm coming from on it. I, yeah. I still, like, I, I like hearing that people that played the game had really good things to say about it. That That is encouraging. But from what I have seen of the game, 
it still just makes me nervous. I'm still, I'm just nervous about this one. Yeah, because I mean, and the, until I whole, can, the whole interview with the team working on it and stuff during the conference, all the stuff they're talking about was just like, it was generic. It was just like the world, like lore stuff, world building stuff. And none of it was interesting lore or world building. No, stuff. it was all very. It, it was like it was like Bungie, frankly. Yeah. Again, to draw the Destiny comparison, like the names of things are just generic sci-fi names. It just it didn't seem that fresh to me. Right. The world didn't seem that fresh. Which like, there are very few things that can ha- that can come out. Very few ideas that truly feel fresh anymore. Like I feel like Horizon Zero Dawn was very fresh. No one had really done something like that before. And that's what made it stand out. It was well done, obviously, too, but the concept was fresh. I'm not going to hold it against Anthem that the concept isn't all that fresh because it's hard to do that, but have something about it that is unique or different or do it way better than anyone else has done it. That's how this stuff works. And neither of those things seem to be happening yet. So I'm hoping that once there's a beta out there, it proves me wrong. I remember when Destiny, I had the same exact concerns, and then I played the beta, and it doubled down on those concerns for me, that there wasn't going to be enough content, it was too monotonous, etc. So I knew going into Destiny what I was getting. So hopefully the beta of Anthem can show me that there is more to it than what I think there is, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And that was EA. Like I said... No real big yeah. announcements that were real announcements. I'm Holy not even going to call Jedi Fallen Order a, a real announcement, but um, yeah, it was it was probably the worst press conference in my opinion. There were several bad press conferences. Don't get me wrong. I think but this one was probably the. I worst. I would argue there were two good conferences. Um. Okay. We'll we'll yeah, we'll, we'll get, get to that. that. We'll go through. Uh. Because yeah, I enjoyed several of them, but so that was EA. Overall. Not great. I felt like I frankly felt like I wasted a lot of time when watching it afterwards. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Uh, so that was Saturday all by itself, and then on Sunday we started with Microsoft. Do you want to lead Microsoft so I can get a little bit of a vocal break? Yeah, sure. So um, Microsoft, they had it was actually a pretty decent lineup, and I thought this is one of the ones that I thoroughly enjoyed. There were some things yes. missing um, that I would have liked to have seen, um, but I think on the whole, Microsoft had a really strong year this year. Um, they showed off a lot of um, like kind of high-profile games, a couple new exciting games, a couple mm-hmm. of totally ridiculous games, and then they also talked about these acquisitions that they have made, these yes. studio acquisitions, which is really exciting. Um, so they finally picked up um, was it? Oh, what's the name of the? Is it Undead Labs who do, um, uh, State of Decay? Yes. Um, so they finally picked them up, which is surprising. It took them this long because I figured they would have snatched them up after the first State of Decay. Um, they, uh, yeah, I can't remember all the names of the studios. It's the up. studio that makes We Happy Few. Yes, they they purchased, and apparently um, We Happy Few is completely different now. Because like yeah. that initial trailer was like, oh, this is like very Bioshocky, like this looks awesome, and then it was like, oh, open world survival procedural generation, right, right, weird crap. Far they less apparently interesting. Walked almost all of that back, and it's very yeah. basic survival stuff. Like there's still hunger and thirst, but it's very trimmed down, and it has mm-hmm. like 
not a linear, but a fairly linear um, storyline, like campaign experience for you to right. go through. So I'm interested to go back and, and see what that's all about. Yeah, I mean, that game's been in early access for like three years. Yeah, it's been a while. So they, they have changed a ton of it. And I mean, I have never touched it. I thought from the jump it looked really interesting because it gave me that Bioshock vibe. Yeah. And once I found out that it was the procedural generation, the survival stuff, I was like, okay, I'm way less interested. Especially hearing from people that played it. Granted, it was still early access. But people that played it saying, ah, oh, it's not that good um, made me far less interested. But now that they're refocusing on the story... I'm really interested in the game again. Yeah, and like, even in the early stages that I played it in with the procedural generation and the the survival stuff, the world itself was still really interesting and Mm. and pretty well realized. It was all of the things that you did in the world that was, like, not interesting, basically. Right. Um, So I'm glad they were able to walk that stuff back and and improve upon it. Um, I think that's that's a good thing. I'm looking forward to checking that out. But, um... Uh, one of the big bangers at their press conference was Halo Infinite. Yeah, so they started the show with a little trailer that kind of opens where you're not... It's one of those where like you're not sure what it is, and then the big reveal happens where you see Master Chief's helmet, etc. Yeah. So I've heard some conflicting things about what the fuck this game actually is. Yeah, so have, what's your understanding? I have no idea. I have no okay. idea what this game is. And so... I have no faith in 343 to make a good Halo game, <laughs> right. so I don't I think give a shit a about this reaction. until they actually tell me what it is. Yeah, so, like, the fact that it's called Halo Infinite and it starts seeing, like, other characters, like, random soldiers, like, ODST soldiers. Is it, Did I use yeah. that right? Yep. Is that what they're called? Okay. Orbital drop I am not a Halo troopers. person. Right. So, you see those soldiers, so, like... The initial reaction from people was like, okay, is this like an online multiplayer game? And like they show like these big sweeping open vistas too. And then later on in the trailer, you get the little warthog that's driving through. I'm frankly impressed with myself that I remember that it's called a warthog. real well. (laughs) Uh, So like it's this big open space. And so it's like, okay, is this like a – not like a open or like a big like rust type survival game, but is it – an online shared world thing is it a battle royale game like what is this and then they came out 343 came out and said like this is the next big adventure for master chief so then people were like oh okay so is this halo 6 and they just changed the name like what the what the hell is this game and i still don't know i haven't seen anyone that's saying definitively what it is so seems weird that they would announce this which is it's it is hands down far and away microsoft's biggest franchise and they would announce this new game and have people not know what it is seems odd to me yeah i haven't heard i haven't heard that much excitement about halo infinite because of that fact i feel like if if people knew what it was everybody would be talking about halo infinite but as it is i don't hear that many people talking about this game right um and it's weird because they have re- they recently changed the naming convention of Halo. So it's Halo f- Halo One, Halo Two, or as Halo Combat Evolved, Halo Two, right. Halo Three, and then it was Halo Four, Halo Five Guardians, and now oh. Halo Infinite. I didn't even realize that Guardians was the unofficial yeah. subtitle. Yeah. It was. Okay. So like, <laughs> Halo. I guess 4 they could is get away number. from calling it Halo. Halo 6, Five then. with the subtitle Guardians. And now Halo Six doesn't even have a number; it's just the subtitle, right? So and then the next like, game, the next morphing. game, 
Halo 7 won't even be called Halo. It'll yeah, be it'll a different just, name it'll just be whatever the subtitle It'll is. be called Destiny. Um, <laughs> Destiny Master Chief Edition. Oh, yeah. uh, so, I don't know, man. It, it's one of those things where, like, my, my thoughts on Halo have been well documented. I really, really want to love Halo because it's such a big franchise, and I just can't get into it, and I'm sorry. But... I know from hearing other people talk about the recent Halo games, you being one of them, 343 has not done a good job with their nope. Halo stuff. So who knows what this is going to turn out to be. What would be really interesting to me is if Halo Infinite is not actually Halo 6, but it is a Halo game in the vein of Destiny. Because that Destiny is what caused Bungie to purchase themselves out from under Microsoft to go out on their own and make that game. And now I would be, it would be fascinating if Microsoft was having uh, Bungie's replacement studio, 343, make a Destiny-style game. That would be kind of hilarious to me. Yeah, and also terrible. But I could see it working. I no. mean, Halo, it, it being because it's sci-fi and it has all these planets, you can make your own character. I could see that. I'm not saying gameplay-wise. I'm not saying ba- because of 343. I just mean conceptually. If it was any random studio, I could see a Destiny-style game working in a Halo universe. Sure. No? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want it, but sure. Fine. That's it fine. Would, but, it would but, function. <laughs> hypothetically, it would make sense to do that. But them saying that this is the next big adventure for Master Chief, like, that tells me that this is a Halo core game. Although, I guess in Guardians, you didn't play as Master Chief, right? Or did you? Uh, you Like, half the time. Okay, it switched back and forth like they did with yeah. Halo 2. Okay. And it was really dumb. All right. Well, interesting. Yeah. Um... I heard some people like, oh, this is a prequel. I was like, he's standing on a halo ring. Right. It can't be a fucking prequel. Right. Even I know that. <laughs> Stupid idiots. Although, you know what? It's not like they haven't undone their own canon before. Hey, that's 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 true as well. Oy. I know all the books you read have been very conflicting to yes. some stuff. <laughs> halo Reach, the biggest fucking clusterfuck of EU canon which is hilarious to me because that's the halo game i enjoyed the most <laughs> of all the halo games of I, the only halo i have not played is halo 5 i've played all the other ones and reach is the one i liked the most <laughs> and then they so show ori and yeah. the will of the wisps which looks beautiful uh, i you know i didn't play the first one obviously very critically acclaimed i heard because they came by on the giant bomb at night post e3 whatevers and they talked about ori and i guess they've changed a lot of the systems um it's a like there are side quests and that kind of thing so seems like they're doing cool stuff with that game i won't play it because i don't have a way to play it yeah. but uh, I also, it, it looks cool i also don't care about side scrolling platformers anymore that's so fair. i just like i didn't play the first one because of that um right and because also my buddy played it and told me about it and i felt like i I watched him play some, and I got what I needed out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure it was very good. I'm sure this one will also be very, very good. I bet people mm-hmm. will love it. Not for me. <laughs> um, and then we got kind of a big third-party announcement, which of which there were several at Microsoft. It's from Software's next game. Yeah, so people thought this was going to be a new Tenchu game, 
Right. And maybe it kind of still is, but this is Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. And they've right. actually come out and said that this isn't, like, you're not killing enemies to get souls to level up to do that kind it of stuff. It is not, yeah. It it's is not, not a Dark Souls. That, it is not a Bloodborne. It is a third-person action-focused yeah. action game. Yeah. 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 Which it's, is uh, To me, it... It's more like a Devil May Cry is kind of what right. it seems to me. Like a Platinum-style third-person action game, right. which makes me way more interested in this game than I would have been if it was another Dark Souls-esque game. Yeah, like, there are enough of those. Even in, like, yes. the copycat space, there are yeah, enough like of those Surge that are also and, yeah. doing it well, and, like, Neo right. and stuff. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Sekiro, Shadows Die Twice. Uh, and then they showed Crackdown 3, which... Um, because I this game looks like a fucking disaster. I'm just gonna say it. Yeah. So, this game looks like it is going to be terrible. So what I did because I was working at the time that this press conference was going on, and mm-hmm. I normally don't do this because I mean, it's not like I'm doing anything anyways. I'm just site managing, but I always feel like it's unprofessional of me to like watch stuff. That's why I'm always just like reading a book because it's a little more studious and like a little less. I don't know. I don't know. It just feels more professional to read a book back there than to be like watching something but right. i was like fuck it it's e3 um and i really hate this group that is here right now <laughs> and my least favorite every year um so i went ahead and watched the conference so i joined it a little late so i missed the halo thing so as soon as crackdown 3 started i scrubbed back the video and watched halo while crackdown 3 okay. was going on and then skipped back ahead <laughs> so yeah. i didn't even bother fucking watching what they showed of crackdown 3 because i know it's gonna be bad well, and it's now been – it's officially been delayed. I think it's coming out in January maybe. I don't remember the specific um, time frame. But it was supposed to come out this fall after they had already delayed it twice. Um, so, yeah. I don't know, dude. It just it just doesn't look good. It just doesn't look like a good video game. It looks like a complete mess. I don't, I don't know. Well, it's, and it's, apparently it, it, it was delayed because someone, like one of the – CEO people, whatever, um, one of the higher ups sat down and played it and was like, this isn't good. <laughs> so we need to work on it. We need to fix it. Yeah. So we're going to delay it again. <laughs> yep. It's just like, so how we'll do see. you fucking. <sighs> Hopefully it comes whatever. together. It won't. I don't think so either. And then they showed but a game. A, then they showed yes. a really good game that yes. will be good. Yes. It has been good. Forever will be. Metro Frankly. Exodus. That w- that trailer was the best part of Microsoft's press conference. I thought it was. A this really game good looks fucking awesome. It oh. was a really good trailer. Yeah, uh, very action oriented, um, and a lot of variation in the places that you're going. And obviously, the game looks incredible. Yeah. So I'm excited to play it on my PS4 Pro. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I'm excited to play it on my very nice high end gaming PC. That too. Um, um, yeah. Yeah. I'm. Ooh, can't wait. It got delayed. Which I'm right sad to my core about, but it will only serve to make the game better. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they came out and showed some Sea of Thieves DLC because I guess that Kraken thing happened, and now they're doing it's is a is shark. Uh, it now? was a shark. No, well, that was the, the shark already happened. Okay, so now it's the Kraken. The Kraken was in the game when it launched, oh. and then they put the Megalodon shark in, like maybe a month ago. Okay. Um, and so now this new DLC, there are two new packs, basically, like two big expansions. I don't know what you would call them. And then they've said that there are three more they're working on after those. 
Okay. I don't really, frankly, know what's in these two. I know there are, like, new missions and stuff, but good on them for adding more content, which is the main problem with the game. But it's one of those where, like, why launch a game when it's so bare bones? It just it feels gross to me yeah. to do that. To get people's money, and then you start giving... And then you make the game good. You launch a game, you charge people full price, the game sucks, there's not enough content, and then months and months and months afterwards, you give them content that actually make the game what it should have been at launch. I hate that. I hate that mentality. This games-as-a-service thing has become a bad thing because now games are launching without enough content or they're launching unfinished and getting fixed afterwards. Ubisoft is the worst about this. Like, they make their games way better... Like the stuff, you know, For Honor and Ghost Recon Wildlands, and all, like all, they make those games way better. But they should be good when they fucking launch. Stop launching bad unfinished games. Still. So see you, thieves. Yeah. DLC. Um, they talked about car stuff, Forza. Right. And this, like, I I listened to them talk about it on Giant Bomb's thing. I'm not interested in it because it's a racing game. I just don't care about racing games. But the stuff they're doing with the. Um, seasons sounds pretty neat like it sounds like it makes significant changes yeah. to kind of the like gameplay this is the year of the weather systems because <laughs> right. ea was like yeah an anthem you know the weather changes and yeah then forza oh the weather the seasons change yeah um minecraft was doing that 10 years ago so right <laughs> so i don't know i mean the game it looks beautiful it looks like it's a racing game not for us no um, and then uh, they showed off some the new PUBG content. Well, quote unquote new. That's coming yeah. to consoles. It's yeah, I didn't know what about this was new or not. Just because I haven't played it, it looked like it was all the same yeah. kind of stuff to me. And then they teased a new like winter map at the end. Right, right. Um, which I'm sure people are excited about if they like that game. Um, <laughs> Tales of Vesperia Definitive Edition. So the Tales games, those have like a really mm-hmm. big following, and there are apparently mm-hmm. a lot of them, mm-hmm. which I didn't realize that they were actually all connected in some way. Um, right. Because I've played part of Tales of Symphonia on the GameCube, and that's the only okay. one I've played. Um, so I did not realize that these were connected in some way, whether or not like they're in the same like multiverse kind of thing or, or what. Because um, I feel like Tales of Asperia has like guns and stuff right no idea i don't know no idea there's some tales game that has guns i don't know <laughs> um but yeah, so it's, that, that it's was mostly that was mostly interesting to me because like i feel like there were a lot of jrpgs this year there were and and normally like there are normally still a lot of them but they don't like make the press conferences and i felt like we got to see a lot of those which which is interesting to me a lot of them seem kind of interesting too yeah i think since switch hit mainstream yeah. More JRPGs have been cropping up. Yeah. Um, and then uh, they showed off what everyone thought was Skate 4 for a full right. five seconds. And then it's right. just the name Session. Which they even right. put the period at the end of Session. <laughs> just like they put the period at the end of Skate. So mm-hmm. it's like they're very clearly trying to evoke a certain kind of feel. Mm-hmm. Um, so new skating game. If you've been craving. It looks fun. Yeah. Yeah. Like the the big thing about skating games though is... Okay, how does it control? Right. Uh, and I don't know. I, I don't know anything about All I've ever played is Tony Hawk, like a couple Tony Hawk games. So I don't know yeah. how the different games feel. Uh, and I don't know how this one controls. But uh, 
new new uh, new skating game. And then they showed off a trailer for what I thought was like a really good looking fantasy role playing game. And then it was like, oh, it's Black Desert Online. Okay, right. I thought like only for like the first thirty seconds. I thought this was going to be Fable. I thought it was going to be Fable 4. Yeah, a little bit. And then it was like, it was really serious. And so I was like, okay, so maybe this isn't Fable. Like, what is this? And then I saw, oh, it's Black Desert. Yeah. The MMO that they're bringing to Xbox. Right. Hooray. I mean, I, people really like it. People really like Black Desert. It's the best looking MMO on the market, which I think says something in a market where most MMOs look like hot garbage. That's true. Um, so I think that's an impressive thing. And, like, their combat system is very different than a lot of other MMOs as well. Uh, and, of course, their character creator is legendary. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, coming to Xbox is expansion. Um, then they showed a pretty rad trailer for Devil May Cry 5. Now, this is yeah. not DMC 2. Right. This is Devil May Cry 5. I think that's right. an important distinction. Um, because original devil may cry you play as dante everyone loves dante dante's great mm-hmm. i don't know a whole lot about it but what i know is that people like dante and then there was they released dmc like a few years ago and i don't know what this dude's name is but he he was dante in dmc he was dante it was a reboot it was a new version of that character but isn't he also in this devil may cry 5 the dude with no. the short hair no, that is a different character. Oh, from like the original Devil May Cry series. I don't know who that is. I, I'm not like super into Devil May Cry. Okay. I played those games, but I, it's been since they came out. But this, when they showed that it was Devil May Cry Five, I thought this was yet another new Dante. Oh. But the original Dante he is in this trailer. End, he yeah. comes in at the very end. So I don't know who this is. This other dude. It is not the same guy from DMC. Um, okay. So I'm very confused as to what this game yeah. is. Maybe they're ignoring um, but, DMC ever happened because they kind of made an offhanded remark about this is the actual sequel something or right. other. They made some sort of remark about well, it's that. Different studio. It's a different studio. Yeah. So Ninja Theory made DMC, totally different studio from the original games, and it was very good. I liked it. I'm not that into those kinds of like hardcore character action games. Yeah, I mean, but I liked it. Like combo and based. Then, Right, and people have been asking for a new Ninja Theory DMC game, and so now the original studio, led by the original creator of Devil May Cry, the, I would assume he's Japanese, I don't know. I'm sure. But the dude that was out there, he was the original guy, and so they're back to make Devil May Cry 5. Yeah. So that, I'm sure, is exciting for Devil May Cry fans. I know. I don't know My what the split really is. Yeah, I don't know what the split is if, like... OG Devil May Cry people didn't like DMC and that DMC correct. people didn't like. I, I I don't know if there's a general consensus on that. I think the but. general consensus is fans of the originals did not like DMC. People are pretentious assholes. I hate everybody. Like who gives a shit if it's not the thing you liked? It's a new thing. Let it be its own thing. But whatever. I feel like it, it was. Could, a- I feel like people could redirect that at stuff you've said. What? I'm no. sure. I don't dislike something because it. Sh- I want it to be a thing that's different. I don't like something because of what it is. Mm. Nah, you're full of shit. <laughs> Give me an example. Give me an example. I'll think about it. I'll think about it. So, it, this was a cool trailer, I thought. I was confused by Dante riding in at the end because I thought this was a new Dante. But this, it, it seems fun. I'm sure it's going to be really over the top and, and crazy. Um, yeah. And then we saw some... A new uh, 
story mission thing for Cuphead with a new character, a female character, which seems pretty cute. Like, I just, I love the way that Cuphead looks and sounds. And so it just being up there, like, made me excited because I just think Cuphead is really cool. Yeah, I I was mm, so mad at Cuphead. I had to stop. Because it's so hard? I had to stop. Yeah. So, and, which is a bummer because my fiance really likes it, but she doesn't want to play mm-hmm. by herself, and I'm not right. going to play that game anymore. So she just yeah. won't finish it. <laughs> yeah, that sucks. I feel I feel like I would have been the same way. Um, just because I'm I'm not I don't want to continually be frustrated and having to bang my head against the boss over and over again. Yeah, but love the game's look and 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 vibe. Yeah, I wish there was a more enjoyable, easygoing game in there somewhere. Right, like a difficulty mode or something. Yeah. Um, and then we saw Tunic, which was announced last year, I believe, but is now an Xbox exclusive. Zelda like and a so fox. This, yeah, yeah, Zelda like a fox. So this, I mean, it's very clearly inspired by the old school three-quarter 2D Zelda games. Um, just with a modern kind of twist on it. Looks beautiful and adorable. I, I would be very excited about Tunic. Yeah. And then, um, so, um, Shay, tell me, tell me about Jump Force. Oh, God. So, anime. It's, it's anime. I, I don't know anything about anime, but it seems like maybe they're taking a bunch of characters from different anime and putting them all into a fighting game together? Think Super Smash Bros. anime. Right. Cool, I guess. Is this cool? I know. No. I mean, you're way more into anime than me. No. Also, I've you know people... how I feel about Super Smash Bros. and fighting games. That's fair. Also, yeah. I have never, not once, played a property-driven anime title that was good. Okay. Those do I, not I, exist. I think the but the recent DBZ fighting games have been good. But again, fighting games. Right. Yeah, I don't know. This seems like I mean, I made a we made a joke uh when they first showed this of like 100 anime characters parachute <laughs> into a ruined city. Like this was like a anime battle royale game, but it seems like it's like a, yeah, I guess Super Smash is the best way to put it. It seems weird and insane, but it seems like it's anime, so Yeah, it's bizarre. Pass. Um uh, yeah. then they showed a very exciting segment on Dying Light 2. Which, Which it looks awesome. Yeah, I mean, Dying Light One. I mean, they like they are still supporting that game with post-game DLC and content and events yeah. and stuff. They've been really good about that. And I liked the first one. I really liked Dead Island. I thought it had its problems, um, Same. but I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Dying Light uh, implemented a lot of really cool new traversal mechanics, kind of parkour-like things. Um, and then I, I thought it was just a more well-crafted environment and world than uh, Dead Island was. They did more interesting things with it anyways, like with the zombie mm-hmm. variants and stuff like that. Um, so this is this is looking really, really cool, and it seems a lot more ambitious than the first one, too. I really like the, the element of choice. Yeah. Like how when you make decisions about these factions, it impacts the kind of hub city and the way things go. That all seems really neat. Yeah. Um, I need to go back and actually play the first game. Yeah, and like the the best, I think one of the best parts about the first Dying Light is the co op, like being able to play the thing 
cooperatively. Um, mm-hmm. That was a lot of fun doing that with my friends. So hopefully we'll get a chance to do that in Dying Light 2. Yeah. And then, <laughs> then the biggest joke of all. Yep, making a new Battletoads game, which I know people are super hyped about it because it's Battletoads and everyone looks back with rose-tinted glasses on Battletoads. I love Battletoads too. It's a bad video game. It's not a good game. It's a bad game. I mean, you you can love it, that's fine, but it's not a good game. And, like, how the hell are you going to make a new Battletoads game, like, in modern day? It just seems... I'm curious, but it was one of those where, like, okay, you announce a title card. I hate those kind of announcements. There's always the poor man's TMNT. Yeah, totally. So, I don't know, dude. I mean, the... the uh, the attitude of Battletoads has always been very good. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm curious to see how they can kind of make a modern Battletoads game work. Right. Like, it, I want to know, is it going to be 2D? Is it going to be 3D? Like, what's I the think deal? they said it's it's mixed 2D, 3D perspective. Okay. So it's, it's like, I mean, it's, it's, a side, it's a side-scroller. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 0.5, yeah. Eh, I don't like that. So, stuff. right. I don't know. It's. I'm sure it'll be weird. Yeah. It's going to be a weird game. It's very, very strange. And then, um, in maybe, ooh, I feel like I've said this already, but this is actually maybe my favorite part of the conference. They showed off three different Gears of War games. My favorite part of the conference was how they first showed the Gears logo, (laughs) and everyone lost their minds, and then then a Funko Pop character (laughs) came out, and I was like, this is the greatest troll in the history of E3. Granted, like, it was fine, because they did actually announce a new Gears game, but, like, I I was like, please let this be the only Gears thing they show. They get all this hype built, the Gears, like, the Gear logo, and then, hey, pop figures <laughs> it was hilarious hey, uh, that game sounds awesome i really? love pop figures like if it if it just kind of plays like gears of war but it's just like these like huge headed <laughs> little bodied pop dudes running right. around kind of like a like a lego game version of gears of war yeah <laughs> sounds real dumb but, but because like you'd never yeah you would never get lego gears of war because lego never does anything like that violent or like with swear mm-hmm. words and stuff but mm-hmm. funko pop will clearly partner with <laughs> fucking anyone yeah and this is hilarious <laughs> i like i gotta know man i gotta know was, what's up with it's it. very funny like but then oh the the second game it, it's Gears what, of what was War XCOM. I don't remember what the actual title was, but it's literally yeah. just like Gears of War XCOM, like tactical movement-based, turn-based, um, skills, all that kind of stuff. Which, and that seems interesting. Yeah. I, like, I, were already, I don't like that. Right. I, I like Final Fantasy Tactics. XCOM mm-hmm. was way too punishing. So maybe if this isn't as hard mm-hmm. as XCOM is, I would enjoy it. Because, like, I like Gears. Like, I like all the enemy classes. I like all the weapons. Sure. I like the gritty look. Yeah, maybe I could get into this. If it isn't as hardcore as, like, an XCOM is. And right. I'd be interested to see... Because XCOM has the whole base building and management component. I'd be interested to see, like, what this has that's like that. Like, the in-between mission stuff, what that's like. Um, yeah, I don't know. Be interested to see that. And this, I mean... When they announced it, this was one of those things for for me. I was like, "Oh, this totally makes sense." Because like the recent horde modes have had some of that like base building, more strategic uh, 
stuff in it. And yeah. so I like I get where this idea came from. So right. I'm 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 interested in this. Again, like you, I'm not super into those type of games, but I, I also agree. I like the Gears aesthetic. Um and if it's not like a hardcore version of one of those, I could see myself being interested in this game. Yeah. And then of course they showed Gears Five, which picks up directly after the events of Gears Four, which left mm-hmm. on actually kind of a cool cliffhanger uh, Gears Four did. So uh, excited to see where that story goes. And you play as the female character. Yeah, it seems like it. Yeah, because in the in four, because I haven't you played play four. As in Marcus's four, son. you played as yeah, Marcus's son, who obviously is in this game. But it seems like he's not really in the story at all. Like yeah. it seems like it's it's the female character and one of the side characters, and they're the ones that go and do the thing. Right. Yeah, that's definitely what it seems like. Um, so that I thought that was exciting. I think all three of those have worth to me and, and some measure sure. of interest and excitement. Um, yes. I, I, just, I, I love pop figures. And, like, I just, like, got to know what this game is, man. I got to know. Yeah. Um, and then they closed it out with perhaps game of the show for a lot of people. Yeah, it has been winning because they also did behind closed doors actual demos. Yeah. And this game has been winning a lot of game of the show awards already. Uh, Cyberpunk 2077 from CD Project uh, Red. CD Project game. Red, uh, the Project. makers of Witcher 3, mm-hmm. um, of that franchise, uh, critically acclaimed Witcher 3. Um, this is Cyberpunk 2077. I think the name tells you about all you need to know about that game. It's a good name. This trailer was rad as, as hell. hell. Like, using the word rad in the most appropriate way possible. This was cyberpunk as fuck. Like, if you thought, like, the Rage 2 stuff was trying to be rad, cyberpunk just embodies rad. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Like this. All of the little, like, create, like, weird little tech modifications, Mm -hmm. like, all the body augments and stuff. Like, things that that Deus Ex, like, touched on, but in in Mm -hmm. a much more, like, reserve European way. This is just, like, all out, boom, balls to the wall, body augments and stuff. Like, very heavily influenced by, like, Blade Runner and stuff like that. Like, wearing it on its sleeve, you know? And it also has the coolest logo. Yeah. Oh, what a great logo. Which I guess, I guess is the same as the books that it's based on. Yeah. But still great. It's still a good logo. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I guess there's there's a tabletop game of it too. I think. I think you're right. Cyberpunk 2020 or something. Yeah. Or 20, 2080 maybe. Something like that. Um, yeah. It looks awesome. So in general, with Microsoft press conference, I thought it was really well paced. Like there was a lot of action to it. Yeah. To me. I get why they continue to double down on their biggest franchises, Halo, Gears, and Forza. But they didn't announce anything else new. Like, well, it was just like, new entries in those... In terms of first those, party, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. my point. Yeah. In, 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 in terms of big exclusives, they didn't announce anything outside of their core tentpole franchises. Right. And so for me, as someone who has little interest in... Halo, no interest in Forza, and kind of eh interest in Gears, there is no reason for me to be interested in buying an Xbox. 
Yeah. And so, like, this isn't going to convert anyone to purchase an Xbox. Just seems weird. And I know they went out and bought those four studios. They're also opening a, a, a new in, internal studio as part of that announcement. So, like, We Happy Few being as part of it, the State of K folks, um, making Tunic an exclusive, a lot of that kind of stuff. They're getting these smaller games that are exclusives now, which is smart. But, like, until they have those big $60 tentpole releases that are new and fresh... I'm just not going to be interested, and I know I'm not alone in that. Yeah, I guess so. Um, they did make an allusion to Fable 4, though. I don't want to skip over that. He, um, In talking about one of the studios, it's the studio that acquired all of the um, Lionhead, uh, ex-Lionhead Studios employees after, it was the stu- um, after they closed down Fable Legends, was it? Um, this is the studio okay. that hired all of those people. Okay. Um, and then he, Phil Spencer made some allusion to, there's another project that they're working on that we're excited to tell you about later ah, that I know I fans of whatever will be very excited. Yeah. So okay. he made an allusion to Fable 4. So it, what, that like, makes sense. He said it, but he didn't say it, you know. Um, but if, if well, you're paying one attention, of the, you can pick up on it. One of the studios they acquired were the folks that did um, Senua yes. Sacrifice? Yeah, Senua Sacrifice. Sacrifice, yeah. Sacrifice, which I did not play. It looked gorgeous. Loved the story. Yeah, I have like it. The... I just haven't okay. played it yet. I, it's one of those games where I keep, uh, like, I want to buy it, but I want it to be on sale. Like, because I, I think it's, like, still 30 bucks or 40 bucks, and okay. I just don't want to pay that much. So I'm just waiting for it to go on sale, and then I'll play it. Um, but they acquired that studio, too, which, obviously, they have proven they can make the more artistic story character focused kind of stuff right. so they have a lot of variety in their studios now that's always been one of the problems with microsoft is yeah. they just didn't have a ton of internal studios and so they're opening a new one which is great but as part of this they're being smart and acquiring second party partner studios and bringing them uh internally so very right. smart moves i think it's just on the whole the large franchises don't appeal to me and if they're not going to do new things like if they're not going to have 343 make a new kind of game they're just going to keep making halo i'm going to keep not caring so i don't know that's just where i'm coming from personally on this the big games that stood out to me you know cyberpunk metro yeah the f- those are third, third party, party games that i can play on playstation yeah, yeah yeah so but still cool to see those not not saying i didn't want to see those games but the the microsoft conference didn't have the same impact for me that it could have because a lot of the coolest stuff weren't xbox games so that made it like a little less impressive i guess you could say right and like there have been a lot of rumors flying around about like oh what the next generation of console uh is is like sooner than you think and stuff like Mm -hmm. that um i phil spencer every year he goes on a giant bombs like late night show um Mm -hmm. and does an interview with jeff gerstman um or jeff interviews him rather uh and this year's he he talked a bit about all of those rumors and stuff and was kind of like we're not like like we're always we're always developing new consoles and new hardware and stuff we're always thinking about what the future is and right now we just acquired all these studios but our main focus is still the xbox one platform um Mm -hmm. and so like presumably a lot of these games games that haven't even announced yet are primarily in development for xbox one so i think it's gonna it's a console that still has a healthy life cycle ahead of it. Right. And like in the stuff they're doing with game pass is still very cool. Yeah, that's true. We didn't talk um, about that. And they've, they added some games. And I think I, 
I don't think it was at E3, but I think it was a while ago, but they've said, like, every new first-party game that comes out will be available on Game, pa- game Pass. Day one. So, yeah. So, I mean, that's all really cool. Very user-friendly. Because, yeah. um, like, it's way cheaper. If you're, if you're going to play a lot of Xbox games, it's way cheaper to pay for this every month than it is to buy games. Right. So, that's a neat thing. And, obviously, people on PC can utilize that as well. Um, I just happen to not have a PC that can handle a lot of these games. Otherwise, I would be playing them. Yeah, and like the big thing about Game Pass is that you're able to download the games, um, yes. and that and like play them kind of at your leisure. It's not a streaming service. Uh, and right. I think there's been some rumors floating around recently that Sony is going to be changing PlayStation Now to allow for downloads, so it's not right. strictly a streaming service. Uh, Which, to me, still doesn't make it all that interesting, just because if there's a new game that comes out that I want to play, I'm going to buy it. I'm not going to wait. Like, I'm not going to want to play a bunch of older games or, like, go play Uncharted 3 or whatever. That's just not how I engage with that content. Yeah, and that's another thing. It's at least a positive move. Yeah, that's another thing that Jeff talks to Phil Spencer about a bit is the idea of Game Pass and how, like, what happens when no one actually owns games anymore. Right. Um, Which, I mean... To an extent, we kind of already don't because a lot of... Yeah, because we don't own lot, digital games. Well, well, no, a lot of games that we physically buy are unplayable outside of a day one patch. That's true. Um, and so it's kind of already happening anyways. So, right. I don't know. And, I mean, the digital side, you're not purchasing the game. You're purchasing a, a license, license to for play the game. It, yeah. Yeah. So... License to a play. Lot of, a, lot of he- a lot of heady stuff on that that we could talk about, but... Um, I guess we should also mention, like, there was a Kingdom Hearts 3 trailer. Yeah, yeah. The Division 2. A lot of that stuff that um, we'll talk about those at their associated press conference. Because uh, Fallout 76 was there as well. They showed a trailer. Right, yeah. But we'll talk about those with the associated um, publishers. So, moving on to Bethesda. Um, oh, boy, yes. My... So... I, oh, it's hard. I think... Mm, oh... Ah, Are I you think Sony. Constipated? What's yeah. happening? <gasps> I think <laughs> Sony is my. Oh, I can't decide if it's Sony or Bethesda as my favorite conference. Mm-hmm. They were both real good. That's a good plug. I on shayhateseverything.com, I have uh, grades, a post with grades for every press conference. So I didn't like go through and actually rank them, but the grades would show you ranks. Um, I also really liked Bethesda's press conference. They, it was maybe kind of awkward at times. Some of the developers that they had come out maybe weren't always prepared to talk in front of people. But that's kind of part of the course. Problems. That's possible. Um, that one when they came out to talk about Rage Two, the dude from Avalanche, the like really tall. I'm assuming he's like Eastern European. I don't remember where they're from, but he clearly didn't know what he was supposed to say or when he was supposed to say it. And there was like, it felt like a 30 second silence of them just standing there and looking at each other. And I'm like, how out of it do you have to be to not just make something up? Like how I don't, I get it. People are terrified of public speaking, yeah. but like, just say something. Don't you? I don't care if the teleprompter is going wrong. I don't care if the other guy is supposed to say something and you're waiting for him to say it. Do something. Don't just stand there. <laughs> like it just like ah, uh, it makes me panic. But I guess that's a good place to start because Rage Two is the first game they showed. Yeah. I guess before they showed Rage Two, Andrew WK oh came out and played God. the theme song what a from Rage nightmare Two. Nightmare that was. What a I terrible had song. 
I had fun with it. It's a it's a bad song, but that's the point. It's supposed yeah, to be over the top and stupid. And he I had stuck fun. the it was microphone in his pants like a dick at one point while he played piano, <laughs> which I enjoyed. For, for me, <laughs> my favorite the was most... the audience cutaways. <laughs> exactly. That was the best part of it. Because, like, I was having fun. It was a funny song. Like, they're having, clearly having fun performing. But they kept cutting away to the audience, and you would expect them to be, like, really into it, pumping their fists, whatever. But most of the people are just, like, sitting there. Just, like, staring. Like, no expression. <laughs> and then it was, my, it was my favorite painful. was all of these cutaways of people not giving two shits and then this yeah. one cutaway of this asian lady wearing her full prey costume and right. holding the helmet and she's like pumping her fist like yeah 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 <laughs> she's the only one uh, uh. it's so, like e3 is such a train wreck all across the board it just it cracks me up it, and again it goes back to like how are they not better prepared for this shit like it seems like it's all slapdash at the last second so unprofessional it's just crazy to me how they spend millions and millions of dollars on these press conferences and they're just terrible <laughs> like almost across the board <laughs> yeah so poorly produced but anyway so we got into rage 2 and they showed kind of more of an action-y sequence kind of gameplay trailer and i'm i'm on board with this i mean i thought the gameplay trailer when they announced the game looked really cool but seeing kind of a more extended segment of just the insanity that happens this game just looks like a ton of fun and just over the top in a way that I can get behind. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and like, and obviously, it's taking itself a lot less seriously than the first Rage did, yeah. which is smart because who took Rage One seriously that played it? <laughs> I mean, kind of. Even Rage One didn't take Rage One seriously like half the time, and the other half yeah, the time fair. it took itself very seriously, which I think right. was a problem. Um, right. But I, I honestly, I think what they showed was so early i think it was so really? early i think it was a well manicured vertical slice um hmm. i think that game is tremendously early um have they said that it's coming out in 2019 have they given that year yet or have they not given know. a year i don't, I don't know recall. if they've given a year or not um but like because a lot of the encounters and stuff like in the trailers and the things that we've seen it very much feels like just you know those like developer test rooms where they just put a bunch of enemies in to like see how they react to bullets and stuff right and they're pathing a lot of those areas felt like that they just slapped the background on a lot of those like quick shots and stuff of those places a lot of it felt like that uh Hmm. like it didn't feel like a well-ordered or organized area it was just like enemies scattered everywhere um so i don't know i i think that game is more early than they're letting on um, I could see that. So, I don't know. It seems like a good match. I mean, id with yeah, the yeah. the the shooting mechanics and avalanche with the just cause stuff like the 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 emergent fun, the explosions, the insanity. Those seem like a really good pairing. So, I, I have faith that this game will will come together. Yeah, but it could, as it terrible could be early. of a pairing as those two guys were up on stage, right? Like, tiny bald man super yes. tall long-haired metal rock guy the tiny right. bald man is the one with any confidence in front of people and the tall rock right. dude is the one who's like shaking <laughs> it was it was a, a very much an odd couple moment yeah it, it was, was funny if for it if it wasn't so painful it would have been funny <laughs> that's true um, yeah. and then we got updates on elder scrolls legends with the collectible card game and elder scrolls online the mmo both seem to be going very strong yeah Especially Elder Scrolls Online is a game. I played it when it first came out, and they had the free-to-play version of it. 
and I played it for a couple hours, but just because I play games by myself, I just felt like I wasn't getting as much out of it and just fell off. I know you can play it on console. I actually looked up after the show because I was like, oh, I wonder if there's a free-to-play version on console. I couldn't find one, but um, so it's, I don't know, dude. It's, it's free-to-play, not free-to-buy. So you buy, and then you don't have to right. pay the subscription model. But that's like right. during during E three, it was on sale for ten dollars. It's like that's a super easy buy in. So I went ahead oh, and got bullshit. it on PC for ten bucks. I don't I, oh on PC. Yeah, well, maybe not Cody on said he found it on sale on console a little while ago. And it was like five or seven dollars, like super cheap. Whoa. Well, I need to keep my eye out for that because yeah. I would check it out. I mean, obviously, there's a ton of expansions and DLC that kind of add that right. you need to pay for. But and, you can at least like um, pay a couple bucks to see if you like it. But even though you can play it without a subscription model, it's built to support the subscription model. Like even on console, you can buy like six months of the subscription where like you get coins every month and extra content and customizability. Yeah, but it's all just extra stuff. I'm like, like it is totally enjoyable and playable. There is a ton of content not locked behind that paywall. That's just for like the people who are going to play hours every day, you know, right. Um, Who are like, I just wish clans or whatever. I just wish that I could get more out of it playing by myself. MMOs are just not meant to be played by yourself. Right. Just because of the way that the class classes synergize yeah, together I, I've and heard stuff like that. This one is better about that. Just and I, mm. I, I'm inclined to believe that because of where its roots are in single player right. exploration RPG. Um so I'm more inclined to believe that. I just like my initial impression of it was, oh, this is just like a stripped down combat system of Skyrim. Yeah, uh, and so like I don't know how fun it's going to be to actually play um, as right. someone who doesn't actively care that much about the lore of Elder Scrolls. Like I enjoy engaging with it, but it's not like near and dear to me. Um, mm-hmm. So as someone who's not going to be like, oh, we're going to elsewhere. Cool. There's a mod that does. Yeah, that. <laughs> I like that <laughs> <You> stuff. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then we got. An announcement for Doom Eternal, the yeah. next Doom game, Hell which we kind of anticipated happening. It looks awesome. Yeah, it I does. mean, we only saw we only saw like a little CG thing with that aggressive metal music that is just so badass. Yeah. But the whole Hell Comes to Earth, obviously that's what they did in the original Doom 2 as well. So it makes sense to do it here again. It, I'm sure it's going to be really good. The first game was really yeah. good. And the guy was like, you guys like big guns? We got even bigger guns. You guys like <laughs> demons? We got two times the demons. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, numbers. <laughs> this all sounds good. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then kind of an update on Quake Champions, which, to be honest with you, I thought was out. It isn't out, but I thought it was. I continue to think this game looks kind of bad. Oh, it's bad. The hero shooter, whatever kind of thing. Even people who like um, Quake think it's bad. Yeah, it sucks. It's, it's, a, it's a bummer. Um, and then they showed off the Moon DLC for Prey, which had been previously announced, as well as some like additional things. I know they're making like a VR thing for Prey. Yeah. Um, they're making essentially a prop hunt game right. mode for Prey. Right. Yeah, that's where he pretty plays funny. Mimics. Yeah, which like that's funny. That's not what I want. I want more story right. from Prey. That's and that's fine. what I thought the Moon thing was going to be, but no, it's just like roguelike, it's like procedural a... generated mm-hmm. thing. Which is way less interesting to me. 
I mean, that was a lot. I get that you want more stuff, but, like, that was a pretty full game. Like, it was a long game. Yeah. Which I still never finished. I never went back to it. Mm. But, um, I don't know. It, it seems cool. I, I will be more excited for a Prey 2, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's it's neat that they're adding more stuff to it. They also announced DLC for Wolfenstein 2, which uh, you play. It's like uh, New Blood, where it's, yeah, you know, Yeah, it's uh, probably going to be a standalone. Blood. Uh, yes. Just like old blood was, so now it's right. young blood, I believe. Oh yeah, I forgot what they named it. Yeah, it's, it's young right. blood where you play as BJ's twin daughters. Twin daughters, and you can play it co-op. Yeah, uh, it, I got a very contra vibe from the trailers mm-hmm. with them like suiting up, standing back to back with their big guns. Yeah. It felt very contra, which is which is cool. Um, and they're also working on a VR thing for Wolfenstein. So new, so they, you know, they had VR for Skyrim, for Fallout, for um, uh, Doom, and now they're bringing VR to Prey and Wolfenstein. So Bethesda's really supporting the VR stuff pretty heavily. Yeah, which is cool. That's interesting. And like making standalone experiences for those two. Right. I mean, the Skyrim and Fallout One. That's it's just the game, but in VR. But like Doom was a brand new kind of experience. That's what they're doing with Prey and Wolfenstein as well. Yeah, it's which smart. Is pretty neat. It's smart. Yeah. Um, and then the showstopper. Right. Whew. Quite a lot of time spent on Fallout 76, that's for sure. Yeah. Todd Howard came uh, Todd out. Ha- and just Howard like... came out and did his stand-up comedy bit for a little while, right. which I greatly Which enjoyed. I loved. I, I was love amazing. Todd. I love Todd. Dude, God Howard. God, <laughs> that's God why they call him God Howard. He's just such a lovable guy. I like Pete Hines, too. They're their VP. Yeah. He kind of does a lot of the. I like him a lot as well, but Todd, there's something special about Todd Howard. Yeah. He's just like, he's like, he's the dude, you know? There's just something about him that's, <laughs> my, you just love him. My friend. He can't do wrong. My friend was like, he looks like the butch one in a lesbian relationship. <laughs> I could see that. <laughs> because he came on, like, with his brown leather jacket and his short that was hair, a great jacket short curly hair it was a great jacket he won best dressed to me yeah normally um uh shit what's his name andrew how no not andrew house that's playstation andrew wilson he's like the evp at ea he normally wins best dressed to me like in years past because he's oh, the, the british dude, dude uh the dude the tall the, tall thin handsome the, guy like, crazy eyebrows looks like a super villain yeah 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 uh, tall, thin, handsome dude. He normally wears these like baller suits, yeah. and I think it was like two years ago he had some really awesome like um, shiny ass shoes on as well. He normally he was like casual sweater this year. So Todd Howard to me won best dressed with that brown jacket. Yeah, that was a good fucking jacket and matching he had shoes. Some cool, good shoes, good <laughs> shoes on as well. Shoes. Yeah, oh yeah. love it. Um, um, but like he was like and he was like genuinely funny too, and like mm-hmm. like it, they're they are so self aware. They're mm-hmm. so self aware. Like, I don't know if you guys have read this, but uh, I read on the internet that our games have some bugs sometimes. Yeah. So I guess, like, you know, if you read it on the internet, it must be true. Yeah. Like, just fu- funny stuff. Funny guy. So, obviously, the big thing they had to talk about was Fallout 76. We actually know what the game is now. Yes. I will say I keep learning new things about it, though. Like, um... I think it was after their press conference or it was at someone else's post show where he was on it. Oh, it was IGN. IGN uploaded a video of uh, them interviewing some of the guys at Bethesda Softworks or Bethesda Game Studios, whatever they go by now, uh, where they were talking a little bit more detail about the intricacies of the game, which is like context that we didn't have at the presser. Yeah. So going into this press conference, under the assumption that this was Fallout Rust, I was not all that excited about it. 
hearing more about the game, I got more excited. Yeah. I still was like, little bits of this don't sound really what I want. I'm not seeing how this connects to this, that kind of thing. After the press conference, at these other interviews, getting more details, I have to be honest and say that I'm more concerned about Fallout 76 than I was at the press conference. So, like, I know we were texting back and forth and getting kind of hyped about what the game was. And, like, they were saying the right things of, like, we know our games are traditionally single-player experiences. We want you to be able to enjoy this as a single-player experience. You will get quests. You will explore the world. You will be able to build these towns. You will be able to do all this shit, whether or not you want to play with friends, blah, blah, blah. And it just feels like that thought has kind of put them in the middle between single and and multiplayer in a way that I'm not sure is going to work. Like there's only going to be a couple dozen players on the server with you at any one time. And it's this huge thing where like it's four times as big as fallout four. And yet there are only going to be like 40 players on there and there are going to be no human NPCs. And that just to me feels like it's going to be a really barren experience. Well, I think it's because it's you're meant to play with your friends in a close but what are group. you but but what are you gonna do though that's what it the, comes the overseer to, back to like me. sends you out on missions and stuff to the different areas and like yeah you're, and you're they're just building your base and because you know like the the progression of like weapon upgrades and craftables and stuff that's going to be more robust than it was even in fallout 4 there's gonna be the progression yeah. of like what you're able to build and like what your base is like and stuff and like the areas you're able to go into based on your level and then you have like that end game content where you get the nuke like you get the codes and you can launch a nuke at someone or just like kind of a travelable distance from your base because when you nuke mm -hmm. an area it changes that area into like a high level radiation zone where you can get even yeah. more rare and cool stuff um yeah and so like there it's not like every other it's not going to be just like every other survival game where it's just like play it until you're done it's mm -hmm. it has a path for you to follow unlike a lot of other things like the overseer will be directing you um, to, to new places and like like just giving you those breadcrumbs you need. I don't think it's going to be like very story heavy, like, right. like there's a narrative kind of thing, but it's breadcrumbs to keep you on a track, you know? And I guess part of my problem is just we don't have enough context on what that is, like sure. what the actual quests are. Is it like MMO style quests where, oh, you collect this 10 things and then you can make a thing. Or are there actual story quests that you go on? And then how are those repeatable? Like, that, those are more of my questions. Because I'm thinking about this as more of a single-player experience. Because that's probably how I will play it more than I will play it co-op. Well, no. I'm, I'm buying it on PS4 so you and I can play, you stupid <laughs> idiot. All right, We're all right. co-op. <laughs> all right, good. Bro-op um, co-op. Coming back yeah. to you. But the, the, the competitive piece also concerns me a bit. And they've said, like, they've they've come out and said that they don't want to incentivize the competitive side. Like, they don't want to punish you if you die. They don't want to make it really easy and really good for other players to try to kill you. But, like, it's the internet. People are bad people. And they get enjoyment from ruining other people's enjoyment. I do not imagine a scenario where if you allow players to kill one another, that that won't be what happens 99% of the time. 
I just don't how I don't see how you incentivize them to not kill each other. And if you're going to incentivize them not killing each other, why give them the option to kill each other? It just again, it seems like they're trying to balance between two things, and I'm not seeing how that's going to work. I guess I mean just like a big thing in their games has always been player agency, and so I think yeah, I mean I can see where your concerns are coming from, but like I mean at the end of the day. This very much seems like a sandbox vehicle for fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and so maybe go into it not taking it so seriously. Right. You know? And, like, maybe that's just the mental approach that you need to, you know, go for when playing it. It's, like, not, like, I'm super attached to this stuff. Like, this is my yeah. stuff. Because in Fallout 4, it's, like, this is my community. I'm very attached to these things. Like these are my possessions and like your base will never get totally destroyed. Right. Like it just gets packed up or whatever, you know, like Mm -hmm. you never lose your possessions. And so like that stuff remains your stuff. And so this, the stakes of it are lessened. And so if someone does troll you, then you troll them back. And it's kind of like a, you know, a tit for tat kind of thing, you know? Yeah, like, you, you yeah. have to go into it with the knowledge that you're gonna try and make fun. And I, I guess it's the competitive side that I just don't really want to engage with. And so the whole like, oh, if they kill you, you just find a way to kill them back. Like that's just not my idea of fun. But maybe it'll be different if I'm playing with other people, or because of the, it's the world of Fallout. Maybe it'll be different. Yeah. And I don't mean this in a bad way, but maybe I just need to go in with kind of lowered expectations sure. of like what it is, and think of it as a little bit more of a trivial experience that isn't held to the same standard as something like Fallout Four, Three, Skyrim, etc. Right. Yeah, I, I I see that, and I am still excited about the game. I am excited. I signed up to try to get into the beta. Yeah, me I'm too. excited to see more and try to play it. And um, I'm curious for sure. I, I'm I'm I don't know. I, I just I don't know if now that I know more of what it is, I don't know if I feel better or worse than when I was still wondering what Fallout seventy six was. Sure, I guess is where I'm coming from. Yeah, I guess. So we'll see. And I mean, this doesn't preclude them from making a big single-player Fallout RPG. I mean, it'll be a while because they're going to focus on Starfield and then Elder Scrolls. But, Mm -hmm. um, like, they still have that stuff in the works, you know? And so this is just, like, this is a fun thing that you can play in the meantime uh, while you're also playing, like, all of the other platforms and and game companies' titles, you know? And it comes out in November. Yeah. Which is awesome. Because I, I like this the, year is that, pretty that, slim, in the fall. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like there there are there are a lot of big like Call of Duty, Battlefield come out in the fall. Um, uh, something else that I am excited. Oh, Assassin's Creed comes out in in October, November ish. But yeah, so it'll this will be a good game to play kind of over the winter period. I think. Right. Um. So that was Fallout seventy six. Mm-hmm. Then they came out and they talked a little bit about Fallout Shelter coming to PS four and Switch. Mm-hmm. Um. Which I'll play. I, I liked playing it on mobile. I just don't really engage with games on mobile until I eventually fell off. Yeah. But especially like on Switch, it'll be a fun thing to play if I'm watching Seinfeld or whatever yeah, else. I've already been playing it on Switch for the past week or so. Oh, I didn't know that it was available already. I oh, yeah, that was like that. a right now. You can do this thing. It's free. Sweet. It's a fun yep. little thing. I'm um, going to go download it. Yep. <laughs> and then they announced a new Elder Scrolls game. 
Elder Scrolls uh-huh. Blades which for mobile. is a mobile game. But they well no, what they said is their goal is to release it on every platform. Yeah. So but it's designed for it's mobile. It's designed for mobile, yeah. Um so it, Touch it, controls, it is etc. Like and it's it looks really impressive like for a mobile game. Like it looks like a PS3 game. You know? Right. On mobile, which is pretty good. Um, yeah. and it's like a full I mean, you, you need first the person new... dungeon crawling with magic yeah. and fighting and swinging and blocking and character equipment and character design and like all this stuff. And then you have a hub town that you go back to that you do quests for and can change the look of. Uh, and then there's an arena you can play against other people with, which is the part I don't care about. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, there's something there. That's kind of neat. I will definitely check it out when it's it comes something. to consoles. I because I mean I have an iPhone six I think there's no fucking way my phone could run that game yeah I have an SE um, there's no way so I don't know it just seems weird like I get that they I mean they made Fallout Shelter which was hugely successful and so they wanted to figure out how do we bring Elder Scrolls to phones right and this seems like a weird choice because like when you think about the way people play games on phones it's minutes at a time. And so this big immersive dungeon crawling experience on phones seems weird to me. Yeah, and even but the you, way they you know pitched these dungeons it, aren't going to be that long. We don't know that. I don't think they will be. Maybe, but even the way they pitched it was like, "Oh, you're in a meeting at work and you can pull it out and play on your phone." I'm like, "Real like I'm going to play a, an Elder Scrolls game on my phone <laughs> in a meeting. It just seems like a weird thing." Like it's because with Fallout Shelter, they took the Fallout concept and adapted it to fit the mobile platform. With this, it feels like they just took a an, an Elder Scrolls game and put it on phones. Like it doesn't feel like they made a phone specific Elder Scrolls game. I don't know. It just seems really weird to me. Well, the they, way I mean, they, they already did, have they the card this. game. Yeah, but that's not really a traditional video game experience. Sure, the way that Fallout Shelter is. I guess. So I don't know. Like it, it certainly looks interesting, and I will check it out when it comes to real consoles. But it just seems weird to me that they're doing this. Yeah, I think it's I it's exciting because there's nothing like it on phones. Yeah, that's fair. There's nothing of that. We'll scope see how or it does. Quality. Right. I'm curious to know the pricing model of it. Yeah. Do they uh, say is it a free how to start? Long your phone battery will last. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. Especially considering the graphical fidelity of that right. game. So, I don't know. It's It was a weird announcement, to say the least. Yeah. I'm excited to check it out, though. Because, like, again, like, these feel like like 76 Shelter Blades. These are smaller experiences. 76, not necessarily smaller, but just different. But different and smaller experiences that can fill the gap between their large tentpole releases, you know? Yeah. And, like, where they can experiment a bit with the formula in fun, exciting mm-hmm. ways. And maybe it doesn't mm-hmm. always work uh, in every way, but, like, it's it's nice to see them branching and mm-hmm. trying new things and trying to keep it fresh. And, like, maybe there are things they discover from, like, Blades or Shelter or 76 that they're like, oh, this really works. We should put this in our single-player stuff. Totally. Like, that's exciting. That's cool. Yeah. 
yeah the possibility for and that. I, and I like that they're experimenting with genres etc it's it's one of those things where it's tough because I enjoy their single player games so much you just want more and of I those. could like I could I could play those infinitely yeah like keep making a new Elder Scrolls game I will never get sick of it because of how amazing it is and so them doing these other games selfishly it's like oh well I wish you would just only worked on single player games but came out sooner Sure. That's kind of the selfish attitude I have about it. That's just not but, a sustainable business model. <laughs> no, I totally I totally agree. Totally agree. But they did close the show with two announcements of those single-player experiences that yeah. Bethesda Softworks is working on, which you mentioned Starfield and Elder Scrolls Six. They just showed quick title card teasers for both. I obviously am very excited about Starfield, and that is it, it is a new, a net new IP. I think that's cool. I'm obviously excited about Elder Scrolls 6 because Skyrim is one of my favorite games of all time. I want to see another one. It has to be tempered excitement because with 76, with all these other things that they do, to me, like Starfield is a 2020 game at the absolute earliest. Totally. Especially considering they didn't show anything. Like, to me, if they had showed a teaser with, like, a player character or something that set up the world a little bit more, then I can believe that they're working on it. But the way that they showed the game with just like a planet and then the title, that to me is like, oh, this game's not even in production yet. And so I cannot imagine this game will come out before 2020. And frankly, I would not be surprised if it was like a 2021, even 2022 video game. Right. And if that's the case, Elder Scrolls Six, which is obviously also in pre-production because it's coming after Starfield, this game will not hit on current consoles. No, this no is way. a next-generation game that will probably come out in like seven years. Yeah. So it's like, yes, am I excited about it? One hundred percent. But like, it's so far off; it's impossible to get super hyped about Elder Scrolls Six. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, I will say, like, with the little teaser thing they showed, people have already looked at the terrain from the trailer and, like, mapped yeah. it out. And they're yeah. pretty sure it's going to take place in High Rock. Right. Um, which is, um, I want to say, northwest of Skyrim. Um, it is. It is the... Uh, well, because Skyrim, I think, is, like, northeast. It's, like, a northeast continent. Yeah. And, High, High Rock, Rock is borders, the far west. But it High borders Rock is the farthest Skyrim, west. right? I believe parts no. of the border. Uh, I mean, you might be right, but I know High Rock is right next to Hammerfell. Okay. Those are the two that... Because in Elder Scrolls Two, Daggerfall took place in both High Rock and Hammerfell. You kind of... There, there's a big... I only know this because I did a bunch of research after the trailer as well. Um, but there's like a big uh, sea inlet between High Rock and Hammerfell. And that's where the game took place. It was like across that little in um, okay. lake inlet kind of thing. Um but yeah, from the from the terrain, the big crater, seeing the coast, the big kind of uh, uh, arid mountain areas, it seems like this is going to be High Rock. Yeah. Um, have you so watched... it'll be obviously very different from Skyrim. Very. Um, so High Rock is the home of the Bretons, and there's also like a mm-hmm. big orc population there too. Mm-hmm. So that's like that's a really different um, setup than like the Nords and Elves that are in Skyrim. Like that's very right. different. Um, and because it's next to because it's next to Hammerfell, you're also going to get a lot of red guards there as well. Right. And I mean, if because this game's so far off, it's going to be on new consoles. Presumably, it will be even bigger than Skyrim. You, I could totally see you spanning multiple continents, like not just High Rock, but also going to Hammerfell. Maybe even also going to Skyrim, that kind of thing. Yeah. So we shall see. I mean, like I said, 
I am incredibly excited for when this game releases, but I'm not going to spend time thinking about how much I want Elder Scrolls 6 because that's just a recipe to be disappointed and impatient. Right. And if anyone's interested in just like Bethesda in general, um, Danny O'Dwyer of No Clip has released his documentaries. One of them is just literally like kind of the history of Bethesda Game Studios. They yep. touch on all the big tentpole Elder Scrolls and Fallout releases. It's fascinating. And then they do specifically a making of Fallout 76 documentary that released um, uh, uh, on the Tuesday after um the bethesda conference and it gives a lot more details on like enemy types that kind of thing right. i haven't watched it yet but i have it saved in my youtube videos because i really want to watch it yeah the, so that's it that it's uh it no clip yeah for, if anybody wants to check it out it's the name of the channel yep so that was bethesda i mean obviously a lot of big hitting games yeah. um i wouldn't say there were any big announcements that we didn't anticipate because we already knew about rage 2 we already knew about fallout 76 we suspected doom 2 doom. we figured um i didn't anticipate seeing both starfield and elder scrolls 6 but right. those were both effectively non-announcements because they're just title cards but uh cool that they're working on them i guess yeah so um, i was not expecting the wolfenstein uh standalone young blood see i i was because they did a similar thing with the first game um but, I mean, it's still cool. I'm glad they're doing it. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, overall, a really solid press conference from Bethesda, I thought. Yeah, absolutely. We are already at two hours. <laughs> so, Devolver, really quickly, oh they did God. their Sunday really late night. Oh Last God. year, it was, like, the talk of the show because it was all about, you know, making fun of the industry and all these kind of shitty business practices. They did a similar, basically, like, a sequel. Same host um, woman. Who kind of? They only announced three games, yeah. but they did a lot yeah. of the similar, making it, fun of loot boxes, Bitcoin, that yeah. kind of thing. I, I love their continuity between yeah their, their pressers. It's so and good. even like the ending of it, like the next year's is going to be like a continuation of the storyline from this, which is yeah. just such a cool idea. Funny. So the three games they announced, they announced Scum, which is like. I got a very Hunger Games vibe. It seems yeah. like it's an online survival survival game with inmates with prison inmates. Right. And then my friend Pedro, which was the standout for me, which is like a um, side-scrolling, shoot 'em up, really over the top, gory, high-flying flips, and it just looks crazy to me. It, it looks like a really cool game. And then uh, Metal Wolf Chaos, which is basically like a remaster of an old From Software mech game that felt very Metal Gear Solid, like very. really over the top, very anime kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so fun like, press conference absurdist, like yes very absurd yeah absolutely so cool press conference nice way to close sunday night yeah monday we started with square enix so do you want to walk us through some square enix stuff we don't need to some of these we don't need to talk that much about yeah and they showed off uh, so they kind of started with shadow of the tomb raider um and i would like, for me personally like they, they showed off it like kind of extended look at some cuts of gameplay and stuff mm-hmm. um personally i think their like what they showed it just felt a little rough and in, in, in an age where games Unfinished. yeah games that look like that like it was mostly animation for me like mm-hmm. the animations were really rough um is what kind of stuck out for me and like in an age where games just animate really well and really naturally mm-hmm. now especially where last of us exists um right like to have a game that moves like that is like eh, okay um and I think it's just they're they're pushing too hard on the 
Lara as a killer guilt thing. Yeah, it felt a little, a little bit. It felt a little forced. Yeah. I agree, and that may, I that like may that... just be this look at it. Mm-hmm. But I, I like that angle. Like I like that story idea, but it does feel a little forced. Um, I'm also curious because Crystal Dynamics is not the lead developer on this. They're helping out, but okay. Oh shit! Who is the lead developer? I don't remember. But because Crystal Dynamics is like they're working on their Avengers game, and so right this like they're helping with, but like there isn't an assumption like oh the first Tomb Raider and Rise of the Tomb Raider were both really good. This will be a very good version of it too. You can't really make that assumption because they're not the lead developer. So this game could be bad, and I did. I was very unimpressed by that demo that we saw. I think the jungle thing is cool it's a cool idea like hiding in the jungle that whole attitude i think is really neat yeah but i agree the actual gameplay we saw looked really unpolished granted they're still working on it but the game comes out in three months yeah they don't have that much longer to work on the game they sure don't so i feel like a lot of that a lot of what we saw is what it's going to be yeah so we'll see man i mean i'm i'm still excited about it rise of the tomb raider was a little underwhelming for me just because it was so similar to the first game and the things they added like the side quests and the hub town and that kind of stuff didn't feel fully realized really so if they can build on those ideas great but if it's just another tomb raider game i'm not sure that how much i'm gonna be interested in shadow of the tomb raider but yeah i have to play it because i have to uh, they showed Final Fantasy XIV, some more content. I continue to think that that game looks really neat, and I would like to play it, but because it's an MMO, I won't. Same, Similar to Elder Scrolls Online. Yeah, I did my like little free month, whatever, and I played quite a bit of it. I played like probably 20, 25 hours. It was yeah. fun, but I hit that MMO flow where it's like, okay, I'm really just going point A to Grinding. point B. Yeah. Um, and then I lost, lost interest. Uh, and then we we saw this at Microsoft's press conference, but we saw a little bit more of The Adventures of Captain Spirit, which is a new free entry in the Life is Strange universe, I guess you'd call it. Yeah, and they said... Is that available now? Uh, no, June 26th, Okay, I yeah, believe. at the end of the month. Yeah. Um, and um, they said something about it's going to kind of bridge the gap between one and two of Life is Strange. There's some sort of universe setting up happening oh, there okay i must have missed that there's some it, connection it, it seemed like it was a separate thing but to me this is interesting because i mean i loved the first season of life is strange i'm glad that they're back working on it and not the studio that did uh before the storm because yeah. that was painful but um i like that they're looking at this as a universe so it's not yeah. only max's story they can also tell side stories in this universe i think it's a really neat idea I mean, I think this looks adorable yeah it's just a one episode free, free thing which is cool which is crazy yeah. it's awesome i'm really excited to check that out and then uh they showed dragon quest 11 which i guess had already been announced the way that people talked about it, it had already been announced but they showed a little bit more of it it looks cool i've never been a dragon quest person i've never but i liked played. what i saw of this i've yeah. never played a core dragon quest game yeah, and like I, I feel like it's either people are either Final Fantasy or they're Dragon Quest. Yeah. There's not a ton of crossover there, um, and I've always obviously been Final Fantasy. Yeah, like, I like the look of the world, like I do. I, I guess I just I don't know enough about that, and like I've heard that they're kind of similar to Final Fantasy and that you don't have to play all of them to get them uh, to like right. get each one. Um, right. I don't know. I don't know. 
I really want to give more JRPGs a shot because I normally tune out whenever they come on screen. Like if it's not a series I'm familiar with, like Final Fantasy, I tend to not really care. Right. And I kind of want to try to break out of that a little bit. Like I really want to play Nino Kuni 2 because um, I never even played the first one. And, and like I, I want to give some other JRPGs a chance. And there's some more that were announced in other shows that we can talk about. But I don't know. Dragon Quest XI, like I'm kind of, my interest is, is peaked just a little bit because I know it's such a long running, well respected series. That, you know, um, by now, like. I mean, it has to be really good, right? I mean, there's so many yeah. of them. They have to have iterated. <laughs> well, that hasn't <laughs> happened for Final Fantasy. Yeah, so that's fair. They lost their Final way. Fa- Final Fantasy 15. Of the Final Fantasies I have played, Final Fantasy 15 is the worst Final Fantasy. I liked it less than Final Fantasy 8. Same. So after that, we got uh, a teaser announcement for Babylon's Fall, which is a new platinum game. Right. Which I guess is what. What I the scuttlebutt is this isn't a typical Platinum's game where it's a third person action and this is more Dark Soulsy, yeah. Like kind of their take I, on it. I, and would be I don't think that's to been see confirmed. Platinum's but take on a Souls like. To me, this is very interesting because Sekiro from Software's next game is, is very like much like their a take platinum. on a Platinum game, <laughs> and now Platinum it seems like is making their take on a From Software game. Yeah. So that's a really cool kind of crossover. We just saw a little bit. It's they. It was like very. It seemed very Dark Souls in style. It's like kind of um, gothic knight mechy kind of look to the characters. Obfuscated story. Yes. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> but it looks cool. I mean, Platinum. They are a bit hit or miss, especially lately. But yeah. when they kind of commit, their core games are usually really good. It's normally like their side projects that kind of don't come together in, in great ways. Um, Saw more of Octopath Traveler, yeah. which, again, the JRPG thing, like, I am buying this game. What I've seen of it has sold me. I want to play it. Yeah. I love the kind of, like, pixely, 2D, 3D, almost Minecraft visual style. It just looks... I love the look of it. I love the kind of old-school, active time battle, combat system, the turn-based kind of thing. It just looks really good. I want to play it. Yeah, there's a, there's a demo available now on the eShop. I have downloaded it. I have not played it yet. And but. is this exclusive to Switch, or is it also on other? Con- I want to say it's say also it's, on PS4. Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know. Because this is this is a game that I would like to play on Switch, but if it's on PS4, I feel like I have to get it on PS4 because I just bought a Pro. I want to get trophies. Blah blah blah. So we'll see. But I want to play it. I know that much. Yeah. Uh, and then they showed Just Cause Four, mm-hmm. which like it feels. I mean, it's not too early for another one of these, but it feels too early for some reason. Right. And we talked about this last episode where there was a bit of a leak where it seemed like they were going to announce this. Yeah, It looks like more Just Cause. I've never really engaged with that series, but I appreciate it for what it is, being really over-the-top, fun, make-your-own-fun kind of a game. It seems like more of that, which is cool, I guess. Yeah. And now there's Tornadoes. But, right. Again, yeah. with the it weather does look system insane. theme. Yeah, yeah. The Tornadoes look fun. And then <laughs> they showed... What I assumed to be, at first, some sort of a successor to the Bouncer. Right. Which, maybe it still is a spiritual successor, but this is The Quiet Man, and it mm-hmm. was a live-action trailer that transitioned poorly, I might add. Really Really poorly. poorly to... Um, bad CG. Bad CG fighting, beating dudes up in an alley, and then transitioned yeah. back out into... Uh, FMV. Mm-hmm. Oh, 
So I don't know if the main character is deaf, like if that's the conceit, right. but they said they've said like they want to play with silence a lot in the game. So I don't know if it's just that he doesn't speak or if he's deaf or whatever. I mean, it is called the quiet man, but um that aspect seems interesting. They have also said this w- game will mix FMV and traditional graphics. So it will have live action video in it if that's the way it transitions i don't know i can play a whole game like that dude like uh, people have been very excited by this trailer and i think it's just because people like fmv games and how crazy they are this looked terrible so bad it just looked awful so i don't know man i mean we'll see once we get more of what the actual game is maybe it'll pique my interest a little bit better but this was it was not not good um, and then they close the show with Kingdom Hearts 3, which we also saw at Microsoft and Sony. Um, I feel and I've been getting trailers for a while. I've been so up and down, left and right, all over with this game. I yes. feel like I'm finally now just like, yes. I'm going to I mean, just I just want to play it. I'm just going to I just want to play it. Yeah. My, my thing is, like, whenever they show the combat, it looks so much fun and just so much shit going on on screen and just dumb and amazing. And then as soon as the characters fucking talk... I just want to fall asleep and roll my eyes so hard. <laughs> just this, the Kingdom Hearts canon is just absolutely a complete train wreck atrocity of storytelling. Like, I'm afraid that I'm going to dislike this game because of the story and the characters. And I just want to have fun with it. And it bums me out so much because we've been waiting for Kingdom Hearts 3 for so fucking long. <sighs> and the first game is one of my favorite games of all time. And, like... From Kingdom Hearts 2 on, just the story has just gone so far downhill. Yeah. The story in the first game, it's not like it was amazing, but it was at least semi-straightforward in, like, smaller scale. And it's expanded so much with all these side games. And it's just, it's it's a fucking mess, the Kingdom Hearts story is. And so whenever the characters are, like, actual actually engaging with the whatever Order 11, whatever they're called... The bad guys with the black trench coats. What the fuck are they called? Is it Order 13? Order 13. Yeah. Order 13. Whenever they're talking about like, oh, his heart, he's black. And I'm just like, oh my God, stop talking. Show me more of the teacup attack with <laughs> Woody from Toy Story. Like, I want to see that shit. That's what I want to engage with, not the garbage storylines. So, I yes, I agree. I'm very up and down on Kingdom Hearts 3. I just want to play it, man. So, but one of the things that was weird about Square Enix, which we didn't really talk about, this was a press play, press conference. Like, it wasn't a live thing. It was just a video. And so, it was kind of like, what the fuck's the point of this? We talked to, like, the developers intro, the Adventures of Captain Spirit thing. Um, But other than that, it was just trailer, 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 trailer. And it was just like, I don't know, very underwhelming because of that fact. It felt very lifeless to me. Yeah, because, like, when Nintendo does that, they have people talking. They have the talking heads. Like they put a lot of their personality into it, and this has and they have no transition personality, right? They do like little like little cutaways of like, oh, this game with the date, and they show multiple games at once, which they also did a bunch of that this year, where it feels like a more of an experience yeah, still that you're engaging with as an audience to you, right? It's not just a list of trailers that they just press play on and walk away from the computer, right? So th- this, I mean. Fun games that they showed, like some of the games look good, but obviously like their biggest game, well, I guess Kingdom Hearts 3 is probably their biggest game, but their biggest mass market game, Shadow of the Tomb Raider, did not look great. So that kind of made it a less 
effective press conference right. in general. And then we had Ubisoft, who always opens with some weird-ass French shit. And they did it again this year with that dance routine leading into Just Dance 19, 2019, which was just terrible, I thought. It was so painful. My favorite part was the zoom-in on the girl's abdomen, the bodysuit. And it zooms into her like stomach and then zooms back out as they walk through the doors. Right. That was the most disturbing, weird camera cut. It was weird. That yes. was really weird. Yes. Of all the weird and shit it, going on at that moment, that was the weirdest one. That's what they do. They always have like, you know, the, the trials developer that walks out and he always has like a rock music song and he rode out on a, a motorcycle motorbike. and then like, like fell onto it, a podium that broke. Like that it's just it doesn't work for me and I, it, it seems like it works for some people but the whole like funny over the top it just feels forced yeah and it just isn't it just isn't funny like it's, it's not charming they are funny ideas they just execute them poorly like they have no yeah. comedic timing yeah, so I don't know. I, I tend to not like Ubisoft's press conference. I liked them more with Aisha Tyler, who I forgot wasn't there last year either. This was the second year where she didn't host. And she always had some like transitions and jokes and stuff that didn't land for me. But she's such a likable, engaging person as a host. Talking about like all these hosts that do such a shitty job and are clearly unprepared. I never felt that way with Aisha Tyler. She was always like on it. Yeah, it felt like she could always bullshit it, her way around anything yes, that went wrong. Yes, 100%. And it makes me miss that. I'm not sure that her being back would fix my problems with the other comedy because they still did that even when she was there. Right. But at least there was like an anchor point that was better than what they do right now. So that general vibe of the press conference I did not enjoy. But I thought a lot of the stuff they showed was pretty good. So they started obviously after Just Dance. They, they went into Beyond Good and Evil 2. With an awesome CG trailer that I thought was really fun. Yeah. Like, if that was a movie, I would really want to watch it. Totally. With the big, you know, page we saw is in it and it, the reveal at the end of Jade being a bad guy. The confusing thing for me is that this is a prequel still. So, like, I don't get well, what the story Jane. is. Yeah. So, I'm still very confused. It, it, besides the fact that this game seems to have no relation whatsoever in story to the original Beyond Good and Evil 2, yeah, which know, is such man. a smaller thing. It just seems so fucking weird that they're making this game this way right. and calling it Beyond Good and Evil 2. I don't know. But Joseph Gordon-Levitt came out and said how they're using his, uh, what's it called, Press Record? Sure. I think is the name of his company. That they do like, it's like community-built art, basically. Um and they came out and said that they're partnering with Ubisoft for Beyond Good Evil 2 to kind of like crowdsource some music, some art assets, etc. It was a really bad look at the time because they made it seem like, hey, if you're a fan, send in a character design and we might use it in the game. Which to me was like, let's outsource a bunch of free content and not pay people. Afterwards, he went to Twitter and clarified people will be paid for this right. just like everyone else is through his studio. Yeah, he or said whatever. like through their studio they've paid out like the certain amount of money or whatever to all these right. artists and stuff. Who knows if it's actual fair compensation or not. I can't speak to that, but it's good that they at least clarified yeah. at the time. It was definitely kind of a, a not great look on the game because of how it was pitched. Um, it still seems like a weird thing to do. I don't know. That's it's just well, my with personal as bias big as about the it. game proclaims to be. Um, yeah. I mean like, how easy is it then for them to just go like, okay, here's a slot, here's a slot, here's a slot, here's a slot, and then right. this community 
fills in those blanks for them. Like that's got to be yeah. so much easier, you know. You think? I, think I was going to so. say the opposite. Maybe. I mean, I, we don't know anything about game development, so it's just speculation. Yeah. But they showed a little bit of actual gameplay, but it was mostly like flying around, running around the kind of a kind of hub city area. So it's hard to tell really anything meaningful from that. Again, this game seems like it is so far off still. I know they did show some behind the scene, behind the closed doors demo of the game with a little bit more interactivity. Um, I don't know. It's like I still am wondering what the hell this game really is. Yeah, though. me too. It still seems pretty nebulous. I, well, I, th- I think it's too early. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we saw some new content for Rainbow Six Siege. Again, this is one of those games where, like, good on Ubisoft for continuing to support yeah, these it's games. Got a really I really like that fan base. And and like this, even though I'm not interested in Rainbow Six Siege, they also announced some new DLC for For Honor. I'm, even though I'm not interested in For Honor, the fact that they are continuing to support these games makes me more confident for their other games that they're announcing. So, like, The Division 2, which they showed a really extended gameplay segment of, which I thought looked pretty awesome. Um, I can be confident that they will fulfill on their promise of supporting the game with new free content. All of the DLC for Division 2 will be free, which is pretty rad. Right, yeah. I am very interested in, in The Division 2. I wanted to be into The Division 1 based on the reviews and the feedback that it got about it being like Destiny where it was kind of aimless, there wasn't enough to it. I did. I never ended up checking it out. Yeah, it was just like... The a, Division 2... It was totally a Destiny situation where the story was uninteresting, but the gameplay was so fun, the loop was so fun. Right. It was enough right. to keep me hanging around for a little while, but not yeah. long term. So I, I, I am planning on checking out The Division 2. I'm... I'm um, it looks cool. I, I like the changes they're making. They seem smart. It seems like they're learning from what they did in the first game. And, and like again, they were supporting the division really, really well the past couple of years yeah. since it launched with with DLC and new content. And a lot better than Bungie has done with Destiny, which seems sure. to be like these big releases and not enough engaging weekly, monthly content, which the division seems to have done a better job of, of having. Yeah. Speaking of the Trials guy, a new announcement for Trials Rising. It looks like another Trials game. I never really engaged with those. They seem like they're really well made. I like the vibe and kind of the aesthetic of those games. Um, the trick kind of combo, high score, that's just not super a, a genre I'm into. Um, but for people that like Trials, there's a new Trials. Yeah. Then we got a really weird, frankly confusing announcement for Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle Donkey Kong Adventure. Which is man, that's just the worst name for a thing. Like, there are so many, so many words. Sounds like Nintendo named something. Yeah. So we got uh, Grant Kirkhope came out and conducted, you know, a band on the music of the Donkey Kong thing, which was fun. Like you saw them playing the music while watching gameplay. Yeah. I liked that. The problem with it for me was until the very end, I didn't really know what this was. Right. Like until they showed the actual similar gameplay to Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle, where it's the XCOM-style turn-based. I didn't know if this was a different kind of game, but it isn't. It's just the same. It's just an expansion, just with new characters, new story, whatever else. It was a, it was a confusing reveal, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Not, not all that effective of a reveal. Right. I still haven't played Kingdom Battle. I still own it. I want to play it. Um, I have some other priorities of old games that I want to get to before that, but... Um, I don't know. I, I still love the attitude of Mario and Rabbids stuff. It seems pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah. And then we saw more of Skull and Bones, 
which last year kind of the reaction was neat idea because the ship combat in Assassin's Creed is so good, but I'm not sure that can justify a whole game. I don't, I haven't changed my mind on that, but at least to intro this, they showed a little bit more of the story and like the character you play as, and it gave a little bit better context for what the game is, which I think was smart. Like it, 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 it made me a little more interested up front about what the game is when they actually showed the gameplay and it was like, okay, yes, it is just the ship combat from Assassin's Creed with a few more systems tacked on and a heavier focus on multiplayer. That to me is like, I'm not interested in this game. Yeah. I mean, you feel differently. Uh, No, it's just like, I, I, I enjoyed the ship combat in black flag for mm-hmm. a little while, and then I got tired of it. And so the idea got of playing repetitive. an entire game that's like that is like, no thank you. And I liked it in Assassin's because it's in Assassin's Creed Origins too. There are little side stories where you play as Aya on oh, the ship. that's right, yeah. And that I liked because there were only like three or four of those. And that was... That's, like, I that's mean, about so the even, right amount of that. <laughs> yes. It was even less frequently than in Assassin's Creed 4, which I liked because it is very good. It's very well-made ship-to-ship combat. I just don't want a whole game made of that. To, I mean, it just gets too repetitive, I think. So, we'll, I'm sure we'll still see more of the game. Maybe there's additional context, additional kinds of modes that can make it a little bit different and fresh. But at least right now, if it's like... It still just seems like a whole game made of Assassin's Creed ship combat, which I think I don't think can justify a whole game. Right. We'll see. And then Elijah Wood came out and <laughs> screwed up his introduction. Something happened for to his the teleprompter. Game. It was so that you, was you can see him well. looking at the teleprompter and he goes, "Oh no!" And then he looks at it, yeah. the other teleprompter. <laughs> it was like it was. I thought it was funny. It was funny, and I like Elijah Wood, but it's also like you are a millionaire professional actor. You can do a better job of covering yeah, that. Yeah, but than who you fucking did. cares, man? Yeah, I guess. I guess. Who cares? Especially, uh, but especially with like, weird. the vibe of Ubisoft's conference. Yes, that's true. Like, you know. Um, but Transference looks like a weird game. I figured yeah. we would see a little bit more this year than because they announced it last year and it looked weird, and then they showed more time in the game, but I still barely know what this game is. So it's like it seemed like a weird update that didn't really give us an update. Yeah, on it's like like a VR. It's just it's a VR horror experience, I guess. I don't know. It just seems odd. Yeah. And then we saw Starlink, which tricked me, because in the beginning, like I they had announced this last year and I forgot about it because I wasn't interested because it's a Toys to Life game, so who fucking cares? But when they first showed this, it was like. This looks like it's a new kind of No Man's Sky-ish game. Like, this looks really awesome. And then they cut to the dude putting wings on a plastic ship. And I was like, oh, oh fuck. <laughs> I forgot. It's this fucking game. So, fuck you, Starlink. <laughs> and then, this was a worse... It was a worse troll than the Gears. And then they put... <laughs> Pop and figure. then they put fucking Star Fox in Star it. Fox. So, like, yeah. oh, instead of the Star Fox game that you want, we're putting it in Starlink. Yep. Yep. Middle finger, Nintendo. Middle finger. Yep. Looks dumb. Yep. I mean, it, it looks like it's mostly for kids, so that's fine, but it looks dumb. Uh, we talked about the For Honor DLC, which I thought was like a Dynasty Warriors expansion. I know we were texting know, back and forth. I the dude looked like Guan like, Yu. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was pretty funny. Um, and then we saw The Crew 2. Looks like a racing game, I guess. Open world, whatever. Yeah, with, with a, a bunch of, you can do like, you fly stuff. 
now, right? Yeah. And they have boats. Like, that. that's neat. I like that. I just don't care about those kinds of games. Right. It's my personal bias. If you're looking for that kind of content, I'm sure there are other video game podcasts that like sports games and racing games and fighting games. <laughs> that's not this podcast. Um, and then they closed the show with Assassin's Creed Odyssey, which was leaked, and then they officially announced it. So if you see more at E3. So this... I don't know how I feel. And I've talked about what I was looking for in the next Assassin's Creed game, where originally I was like, I don't want a sequel to uh, to Origins because I got so much good out of it. I don't need more. And then I was like, honestly, if they made Assassin's Creed Origins 2, starring Bayek and Arya, Aya rather, that could be neat. Like, I could get involved with that because I liked Bayek and Arya. I liked the desert, whatever. And with this, with the the... the uh, leak, it, lo- it was very Greek. You could tell like it was more Greece, not desert-focused, which was fine. And then some screenshots came out that weren't Bayek. And so it's like, wait, what is this game? And so it, it, it takes place... I think it takes place actually before Assassin's Creed Origins, but in a similar time period, obviously, where you're playing as a new character. You can play male or female, which is cool. And it's centered on Greece. And I just don't know how I feel about that. Like, it's it's... It's none of the things that I wanted. It's very similar to Origins because you still have the eagle that marks things. It's still clearly in the same engine where there's desert and the cities look similar. But it's not the characters I like. So it's like it's like the worst of both worlds almost. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm going to play it. I'm just not that pumped about it. I like that you can... I'm going to play as the female character. She looks cool. Like, she looks like a badass. And I, you know... I like being able to play as a female character when I can. And that like I think that's neat, but the rest of the stuff it's just not that I don't know, it just doesn't feel that special to me, especially to justify yet again we're back to the yearly releases. I think is the core problem. Right. So that's where I'm coming from. I know you you didn't really care that much about Origin in the first yeah, place, I so I think I'm officially just done with Assassin's Creed for the rest of my life. Just yeah, like I, how I, mean, I, I think get I'm it. done with Mario and maybe Zelda for the rest of my life. I think that's I can, that's more of a shame. I think I can add I Assassin's it. Creed to that list. Assassin's Creed makes sense because it even with as big of changes as they made for Origins, it's still the same core game. But Mario and Zelda, like every game that releases, is completely different than the one before it. And I don't like much. I don't really like playing any of them. That's weird. Yeah, You're weird. I know. But so I don't know. It was like a. I just have mixed feelings. I when I think about the games that are coming out this year. The games that I want to play, it's one of them. I'm sure it will be very good. But it's I'm just not as excited about it as I could have been. Like, if this was coming out next year, and it was a bigger change, or it was coming out this year and it was just Origins 2, which is more Bayek, or even better, like, you play as Aya, which I would prefer, I could be more excited about it than I currently am. And, like, they added their dialogue options, which seem not that big of a thing. Like, it seems to me like they're the dialogue dialogue options, like, from Uncharted 4, where, like, they don't really impact anything. Um, just kind of a useless, pointless addition, frankly. So, I don't know, dude. It just seems like you, they did such a good thing in taking a year off, really looking at the systems, improving the combat, adding things like the eagle and then making a better story for them to just revert back to yearly release just seems like a mistake. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, maybe it just it wasn't a sustainable enough business model for them that they had to crank I guess. one out. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Well, I mean, cause or it, they it just felt, felt like, like they built a whole new 
version of their engine to support mm-hmm. um, Origins and like a whole new combat system and stuff, and maybe that's what took them the extra time. And so now that right. that stuff's all set in stone, they can crank them out again. Yeah, it's but like, that's the thing. Like, like I'll play this one, but if next year there's another new Assassin's Creed that is similar time period, similar setting, similar gameplay systems, I will not be interested in that. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. It just seems like they're they're they did it. They made a smart decision, and then now they just immediately have reverted to old habits, which just seems like a mistake. Yeah. So overall, Ubisoft like a lot of pretty cool looking games. I thought yeah, a couple things. Um, yeah. Some awkward presentation, yeah. some like bad joke presentation, but decent press conference. Sure. And then we had Sony, which was Woo! a weirdo press conference. So how, how about how about you start set the stage for Sony? Um, well, first off, Sony set the stage in an interesting mm-hmm. way. So what they did is they had two different venues. The first venue was an actual rec- uh, recreation of. Uh, where a scene from The Last of Us 2 takes place. Right. Because um, that's how it opened. Like, so basically everyone's in this, like, kind of church-looking thing with all these lights strung down, um, mm-hmm. kind of like this hall, a long hall. Um, and the – I can't remember the guy's name. The guy who does the music for Last of Us came out and played for a few minutes, and I could have listened to Banjo that. Banjo solo. Yeah, I could have I listened to that, that for amazing. the rest of my life. Um, and unfortunately that ended, and then they fortunately played – the trailer for last of us two which started in that same room and so then you're like oh okay now i understand why they're here right um and that trailer was fucking bonkers yeah dude it, like it was a mix cutscene with gameplay right. um and, and i with, would assume it doesn't it doesn't play out like it actually will in the game but it was framed in a really really great way with ellie like the whole um people should fear you, whatever, and that chick says it in an almost joking way, but then it cuts to Ellie, like, brutally murdering a bunch of dudes. Yeah, um, and okay, yeah. so a couple things to note. That mm-hmm. girl had a bracelet on, and then when the transition happens, Ellie is then wearing the bracelet. Interesting. Um, so, And then there's someone makes a mention of her old man, so which right. they're talking about Joel, uh, and right. they have confirmed that they're talking about Joel. Um, so Joel's still around. He's not dead. He's- well, we don't know when this game takes place. Like, that's the whole thing. We still don't know that much about The Last of Us. Because we had that one trailer from last year where there was the adult female where, like, people were like, is this Ellie's mom? When is this happening? All this other stuff. Like, yeah, so this might we still don't really know. Yeah, exactly. We still don't really know what the context is of this game, which is one of the things that makes it so fucking... I'm so excited about yeah. it. Yeah, I love the I mystery. I want to know what's happening. I love the mystery. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just, like, in terms of... Like, again, setting the bar in animation and acting in video games. Uh, Ashley Johnson in that scene. Unbelievable. And, I mean, to be fair, I'm sure there is tons of amazing acting that has happened in video games for years. But we don't get to see it because there yeah. hasn't been the technology to support the facial animation. Right. And now that we can, like, Ashley Johnson in that scene, like, all the subtext that's happening on her face. I know, I, I think I texted you or tweeted about it. And I was just like, there is some fucking acting happening in this right now like i felt like i was watching a legit film performance it was amazing the best video game kiss that has ever happened happened it looked like two people kissing like so good they said they had to build a whole new physics model for how ellie's nose scrunches up against her and like how the lips kind of like collide and connect kissing has always looked bad in video games and this this looks amazing 
Yeah. And like not in like a horny kind of way, but just like right. like a whoa. Like yes. we are past Uncanny Valley at this point. This just yes. looks real. Um, yes. Unbelievable. So so let's talk about the actual gameplay segment. Yeah. It felt so it it felt highly scripted, but I have a right. feeling that it's just not. Like these are just cis like I bet there are there are elements of it that um like there's scripting involved for sure, but I think there are elements of it like So she sneaks through and like they're talking about how um like they can't find her. Like she she kills them, they get in the firefight, she runs away, she hides, and they can't find her, and then this guy from another group of enemies comes in and they kinda touch base and there's like a shared knowledge thing now that now both groups know about her and are looking for her. Right. Um so like they said that that is something that happens now. It's not just like, oh, you progress from one area to the next and you're fine. Like they will mm-hmm. communicate um and like share like, hey, be on the lookout, right? Um it's like that's fascinating and sounds so hard. Um, <laughs> and like all just all the ways like that she gets shot with an arrow and then like the way she moves after having been shot yep. with the arrow and then she has to pull it out. There's like a button prompt to pull it out like Far Cry style yep. like you're fixing your broken hand. Um, and then like all of the little animations like picking up things and interacting with things and like the, the way how she stabs a guy and then she like kind of has to yank it out. Like, it's not just mm-hmm. the smooth stab and you're done. She kind of has to yank it out. And when she has, gets the arrow out of the dead body, she has to stop to, like, really pull it out. Um, unbelievable. Absolutely yes. unbelievable. And I feel like... Because there was that little bit of dialogue with that guy who was just, like, barely alive. She had, like, just run out of stuff to kill him. Yeah. Uh, and there's that little bit of dialogue there that happened. And, like, that felt scripted. But I have a feeling that, like... That could possibly not happen, you know? Right. Yeah, I'm really curious to see more of the game in actual action. Yeah. Because it did. It it not I mean, it felt really impressive, but it did feel like will any of this actually happen when you're playing the game? Like it felt a little too perfect, too like too too impossible to scale to every experience. Right. But part of what is difficult about it even being a jaded kind of person, this is Naughty Dog. Right. Like, That's what they do. They they are, they are, I mean, this is an opinion, obviously, but I feel like it's founded in people's reactions to their games. They are the best game studio in the world right now. Yeah. And I feel like it's not all that close. And, like, if anyone's going to be able to do something like this, it's going to be Naughty Dog. So it's hard for me to like be jaded and be like, oh, there's no way this would actually happen in the game because maybe they can fucking do it. Yeah, because like if anyone can, it's them. Well, and if you look at the first Last of Us, like I was just playing it last night because there's mm-hmm. the whole thing I won't get into, but I was just playing it uh, for my friend last night because he wanted to watch it, um, and there are already elements of that going on in the first Last of Us, and so this just feels yeah. like an evolution of that. Yeah. And it's been a while oh, since man. that game came out. Like it doesn't. Twenty thirteen. Yeah, it doesn't feel like that long because they remastered it on PS four. But it's right. yeah, it's been five years. Yep. Fuck. It's crazy. <sighs> I I wrote about this in my uh, scorecards for the press conferences, but like at this point, f- 
from what we've seen of The Last of Us, and granted, there are always the naysayers that are like, oh, this game sucks. It's not that good. The gameplay, the shooting sucks. The puzzle are repetitive, blah, blah, blah. Okay, which you're like, a all, fucking idiot. <laughs> those, are all, those are all fair criticisms, but, but like, not. to say the game's... The I think so. It doesn't suck. It, the game, it, no, it doesn't suck. It's fine. The game, the shooting is not the best part of the game. Right. The puzzles were very repetitive. But like to to say the game is bad because of those things when there's so much more to it, that that's a whole other argument. But taking out the people that are naysayers and will just hate the game because it's Naughty Dog or because it's The Last of Us or it's too violent and they're offended or it's Sony and they're a Microsoft fanboy, taking out all those people who are stupid anyway. I feel like at this point, if this game is not the best game ever made, people will think it's a disappointment. Because plenty <laughs> of people already say The Last of Us is the best game ever made. I think like, it, it's a contender for me. It's in, it's in my top ten. Absolutely. I it, it is one of the top ten best games ever made for me. Um, and so, like, I look at this and, like, you would expect the sequel to be better. It certainly looks like it's even better. Like, if this isn't the number one on Shay's new top 10 or top 100 games of all time next year, if The Last of Us Part 2 isn't at the top of that list, people will think it's disappointing. That is such an insanely high bar to try that's to reach. True. Poor Naughty Dog. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I think, well, because what? I have In my top 100, The Last of Us, Uncharted 4, Uncharted The Last Legacy, Uncharted 2, Uncharted 3, and maybe even the first Uncharted were all in the top 50. Wow. That's fucking nuts. And granted, it's a personal it's a personal opinion. Yeah. I love those games. There are plenty of people that aren't that into Uncharted, whatever else. But like, it's pretty hard to look at the games they make objectively and not be able to admit that they are incredibly well made and incredibly well crafted. Um, even if you don't particularly like certain aspects or don't like Nathan Drake, whatever else. So, fucking nuts. Great way to start the press conference, obviously. What came afterwards was maybe not so awesome just because they moved everyone from that area to a new kind of conference hall. And so as they were moving everybody, they cut back to some PlayStation employees. They interviewed, um, shit, what's the head of Sony's name now? I don't remember his name. Sean Layden. Yes. They interviewed him a little bit, talking about some games. And that all felt very marketing, like very prepared. Yeah. Because it's like, it's it's PlayStation employees interviewing their boss. So it was like, it's a bunch of softball questions, yeah. that kind of thing. Which is not interesting. Yeah. It's and just so, fine. It's fine. Yeah. I don't know. It, it kind of killed the momentum, to be honest with it, you, it, for me. It did, but I think it was worth it for that last of us to, to start on that. I think it was worth it. Because then, like, I was worried that they were going to have a different location for all four of these big right. games. But they did right. the rest of them in this new thing. So it found its momentum again. And It could have been a lot worse. <laughs> yeah. I think it found its momentum because of the strength of the showing of Ghost of Tsushima. Like, Agreed. kicking it off with that. It was, like, immediately, like, boom, okay. All of, like, that whole transition forgotten already. Like yeah. And, and I guess before we talk about, because we'll talk about Ghost of Tsushima, Spider-Man, and um, Death Stranding, which were the three big ones. But I guess we can kind of talk through, because they also had some trailers yeah. interspersed between those big kind of deep dives. So in between Last of Us and Ghost of Tsushima, we got a trailer for Black Ops 4. I am shocked we didn't see more Black Ops 4. I think it comes down to the only real gameplay we saw at Sony's press conference were for their four big games. Yeah. Everything else was just a trailer. And so it makes sense they wouldn't have Black Ops 4 there, and they have the partnership deal so where Black Ops 4 wouldn't have been at 
Microsoft, it just seemed weird to not have a big Call of Duty presence at E3. Yeah, but I guess, like, I mean, really? What do you show for Black no, Ops No, totally. Because they normally no show the single player. Yeah, yeah, they normally show a trailer for the single player, and there's no single player. And they're clearly not ready to talk about their Battle Royale mode yet, because right. they barely talked about it at their little reveal. And it, granted, they did have their own reveal a couple weeks earlier, sure. so people already kind of know what's going on. It just felt like, it felt weird to have an E3 without a big Call of Duty demo, you know? Yeah, that's true. Um, and then we got a trailer for Destiny 2 Forsaken. It's like, holy which shit, they also, six. Yeah, he's dead, I guess. Fuck. They also, they unveiled Forsaken a couple weeks uh, before, or I think it was in between our last podcast and this one. Maybe we'll talk about it next episode. I don't want to spend a bunch of time here because we're already closing in on three hours and we still have a whole other press conference to do. <laughs> but um, I'm interested in Destiny 2 Forsaken. Like, I don't know how they can keep doing this to me. I know, because I, right? I, I'm at, like, I've been out. I've been out on Destiny ever since. Like, after the Taken King, I've been out. No, that's not right because I bought Destiny 2. It was Rise of Iron. That was the big DLC they did for Destiny 2. Since they started talking about that, Wait, am I wrong again? Maybe I, Rise Osiris. of Iron was for Destiny 1. Osiris. Thank you. Yes. Whatever the first DLC was for Destiny 2, I was already done, and I've had zero interest. There were a couple YouTubers I used to watch that did Destiny updates, and even after I stopped playing, I would still watch their videos because I wanted to know what was happening because I'm so desperate for them to bring me back. And I even stopped watching those guys' videos. Like, I was totally out of Destiny. And then they did this Forsaken reveal where I was saw some scuttlebutt about it. And so I started looking into it. And, like, I want to get it. And I hate it. I'm going to get it. Because, oh, fuck you, Kyle. Because <laughs> if you get it, then that so, means I'm going to get it because then we can play it together. For my birthday, my friend got me the expansion pass. Damn it. So I played through Osiris with him. And we haven't done the second one yet. So if you want to hop on board fuck. and get the expansion pass. Because it's on pass, sale. Well, the expansion pass I know is on it sale is. right now. It's like now. 20 bucks. So if I'm going to go buy it today. If, all right, I'm going to buy the expansion it. pass today. I'll go back through Osiris with you. And then Damn like it, the Kyle. three of us can play the second one. And then we'll play Forsaken when it comes out. I am so <laughs> mad and also really excited. <laughs> well, I'm like, so also, excited to play Destiny again. Uh, it feels so good. It is uh, so good. I hate you and I hate myself and I hate Bungie and I cannot wait to play more Destiny. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> what is What is happening? <laughs> Fuck! Because we did. We had. I mean, when Destiny came out, the first one, we did have a lot of fun playing that. Together. Yeah, we had a lot of fun playing Destiny two together, and then we just stopped yeah. because it was there was so much repetition, and we didn't engage with the raids. We didn't engage with the nightfalls. That high level, too hard content. We just didn't do, and that's what kind of made us stop. Yeah. Oh fuck! <laughs> and I've heard I've heard Trials of Osiris wasn't good though. I. Mm. It, it was fine. There are some cool new areas. Like, the areas are cool. Yeah. And it's fine. Visually? It's fine. Yeah, all right. Like, they're good set piece moments. Damn it. And, like, the weapons and stuff, they're cool. I know. And, like, a lot of the stuff they show for Forsaken looks cool, too. But, like, the, and, cool, like, the I'm thing curious that I'm excited about, about for Forsaken is the story stuff and that new co-op mode. The new PvP, PvE mix. Yeah. That looks neat. Yeah, where like it's it's like a horde mode, but you can jump over to the other team and fuck them over. Right. That seems like a cool thing. Ugh, damn it. I'm gonna play more Destiny and I'm I'm excited about it, and that makes me more mad than anything else. <laughs> damn it. I'm gonna go buy it as soon as we're done with this podcast. Yeah, it's uh, it's cheap. The expansion pass is cheap. I think it was like twenty bucks or something. It's like two DLCs, right? Yeah. 
twenty dollars to sell your soul, Shay. Ah, it's terrible. <laughs> I think normally it's thirty bucks. Yeah. So it's like sounds right. A third off. But isn't Forsaken isn't isn't the business like the the monetary model like really messed up? Isn't it like a forty dollar expansion plus you have to pay a bunch of extra stuff? No. So like for what they do, what they did with Destiny One is it's a sixty dollar release, and then you have the little DLC things, and you can buy like the pass to get everything. But then like the big one drops and it's forty dollars. But they do like a sixty dollar release that has everything. Okay. So if you don't want to play the expansion pass stuff now and you just want to do it right. all in the fall, you would just buy like another sixty dollar game and get the entire thing over again. Yeah, and I mean, and I apologize, listeners, because I I don't know, but I thought I had read some people complaining that there are like additional hidden charges about Forsaken for some content. But we can talk Maybe about that once I learn a little stuff. more. It might be, yeah. I, I'm not gonna assume that because I don't know about it. Well, I'll look into that and, okay. and if we can talk more about Forsaken next episode, yeah. Um, because there, I mean, there was a lot that they announced. A lot of stuff that looks really cool, making it easier for players to customize and do their own thing. They're bringing back the um, feats, where like if you accomplish cool things, you get unique gear. So a lot of cool stuff they're doing with Destiny Two yeah. that they had already done in Destiny One and then undid because they're idiots. Yeah, and they want to make a bad game. Apparently, <laughs> I don't understand what they're doing over there. So. Then we moved into Ghost of Tsushima. So we got a similar musical intro with the dude playing some kind of Asian flute that was really yeah. cool. People were complaining because he was a white guy and he wasn't Asian. But who fucking cares? He it was an it instrument. Really well. It was an instrument. Like, is only, are only Japanese people allowed to play that flute? Like, fuck off. I hate that attitude. Yep. Cultural but the game appropriation. Good. Yeah. Fuck off. The game looks cool. Um, Ghost of Tsushima. So this is Sucker Punch's new game. At... Paris Games Week or at the PSX? I don't remember, but we got the little teaser trailer of what it yeah, is. Yeah. But now we actually saw it in action. There were similar reactions afterwards of like, is this really heavily scripted? Is this actual gameplay? There's no UI, blah, yeah, blah, they blah. They actually said that that was a side mission, what they showed. Right, right. Which is fascinating because it was like really well directed and, yeah. and acted and stuff. And like, that's a side mission? Yeah. Dang. Um, it was cool. And like, the, um, it looks gorgeous yeah like, like the, the darks the are really dark and stuff Ooh. and i mean sucker punch like infamous second son looked gorgeous too like at night when it was like rainy with all the neon stuff that was a good looking game especially for being a launch window ps4 game so i'm not surprised this looks so amazing um the combat to me looked a little stiff and granted this is still early on this is the first gameplay we're seeing but i liked how it was a little bit more like fighting game style like it was like a side view almost um i don't know it, it i liked the um perspective but it looked a little stiff like the movement of the sword fighting felt a little like you're going from pose to pose and it wasn't all that fluid i don't know did you feel similarly or differently um yeah i i can see yeah i can see that but i liked i kind of liked the snappiness of it the quickness yeah i think it i think it's a good thing okay it's a good thing <laughs> but the game looks it looks awesome yeah. and they announced afterwards that you can play through with japanese voiceover with english subtitles which right. is also really cool yeah, i, I think might i might do that. that yeah yeah 
Um, and then before we moved to Death Stranding, we got a trailer for Control, which is a new Remedy game. Yeah, the Quantum which Break looks people. like they yeah they just took Quantum Break and Alan Wake and just mashed them yeah, together it, to make a video game. Yeah, it, it's because Quantum Break a lot of the powers like there wasn't a snappiness to them, there wasn't a quickness. It was like very deliberate. Um, mm-hmm. And so this seems like there's some more action, more action heavy kind of kind of a game because Quantum Break yeah. was very much narrative focused, especially considered how right. the TV show worked into it. Right. Um, so like this definitely seems like an improvement upon those systems. And yeah, like like you said, very much like Alan Wake. There was another game that really screamed Alan Wake to me. What conference was that at? It was uh, Twin Lake Tw- Twin. Oh, that's a Twin don't Mirror. nod game. Twin Mirror, yeah. Twin Mirror, a that's don't a don't nod game. game. That was very Alan Wake to me. Right, uh, but obviously more story-focused. Right. Um, yeah, like their games tend to be. Yeah. Um, and then we got a reveal for Resident Evil 2 Remake. Oh, my God. Which I know you were excited about. Oh, man. Your boy Leon Kennedy. At first I thought it was Spider-Man, because it's like the the yeah. the perspective of like some critter crawling yeah. around this thing and then it like zooms out and it's a rat and there's a dude getting right. bit by a zombie and i was like holy right. shit no way and he yeah. had like the rpd patch on his shoulder i was like holy shit so oh, i mean this is it was just a cg trailer do you know is are they doing this similar to how they did the first resident so evil i saw like gameplay they actually showed gameplay at like another thing okay um, are they are they remaking the game yes they completely remade the game. It's not first person like seven. It's third person, more like four mm-hmm. or six, uh, or I guess five too. Um, I, this seems more in the vein of six in terms of like mm-hmm. the loose running and movement and stuff, which I didn't really okay. like the shooting controls in that. But they yeah. said that like, I mean, like people played for an extended period of time and they only ever had like twenty some pistol bullets, and it's like uh. even a single zombie in a hallway is like enough like that encounter is enough to make you like ooh I could really fuck up here. So um, there's they're still keeping the like survival part. Yeah, less like, action like Resident Evil 4, right. 5 and 6 have been. A heavier bent on a heavier focus on the horror aspect of okay. it. Um which is yeah, which is neat. great cuz uh, Resident Evil 2 is a really scary game like the liquor out of the like wi- dogs jumping out of the window, the liquor and all that stuff. It's mm-hmm. a freaky game. Um and it seems like they're also going to have the Claire um storyline too. They show her in the trailer. Um, mm-hmm. and they said that they have switched to f- like the basic layout stays the same. They've added a couple rooms, but some of the things that happen in those rooms don't happen in the same order as the original game. So like people who religiously played Resident Evil two, like know yeah. all the facets of it yeah. are still going to be able to be surprised that's um, cool. on their initial playthrough. So like, that's neat. I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, really good looking game. Oh man. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> Like that flashlight yeah. comes on in the trailer, and then my, my buddy was like, "Dude, is it your boy? Is it your boy?" I was like, "It's my boy Leon." <laughs> oh, yeah, it's cool, baby face Leon. And then uh, we got a kind of sort of trailer for Trover Saves the Universe, which is from the dude behind Rick and Morty. Yeah, I know you're a fan of that show. Yeah. I don't like it particularly, so whatever. Uh, we don't really know what this game is, though, do it's a, we? It's have, like a, platform, it's else? a platformer. Okay, um, all right. A platformer action game, uh, 3D. Um, it's it's in VR, but I guess there's also going to be a version that's not VR. Um, mm. So you can just play it normally, which I okay. would be more interested in. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I like that sense of humor. It works for yeah. me. I yeah. might check it out. 
And then, and then Death Stranding. Oh, yeah. So you go ahead and talk about Death Stranding so that we don't bring the podcast down until <sighs> after you can, you can say your excitement <laughs> about Death Stranding. So the thing about Death Stranding is that, for me, I'm just on board for whatever crazy bullshit Kojima wants to do. I'm right. not going to say it's going to be a great game. I'm not going to say it's going to be a masterpiece, but I know it's going to be wild and batshit crazy and off the chain in a lot of mm-hmm. weird ways, and mm-hmm. I'm down for that. Not everyone is going to be, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, what they showed, and maybe this is all they had ready, because it, it could be still be like pretty early on, because like last year they were still shopping for an engine, um, so this could be pretty early on. What they showed was UPS man, right? Like package delivery service. So you're just carrying right. stuff around. And that seems like that's like what I think is like that's the beginning of the game. Like that's what you're doing in the beginning, and then and there's just it's a lot of really confusing, obfuscated stuff. Um, or that stuff, like that stuff, might not even be in the game. Right. He's done that's that true. before with Metal Gear. Yeah. That's true. Like, that everything we've seen thus far might not even be in the game. That's true. At all. He's pulled that switch he's pulled that bait and switch before, especially with Metal Gear Solid 2, like even in insofar as putting Snake in scenes where you actually play as Raiden in the trailers. Right. Um he's pulled bait and switches like that before. So I mean I, yeah. Who know who the fuck knows? And that's kind of what's exciting about it. But also I could see where like someone could look at that and go like, well then why even release anything? That's kind of my thing, and granted, obviously, I've said a bunch of times, I kind of think Kojima's a hack. I, I look at him much like David Cage, this dude who acts like he has all these deep thoughts and themes, and he doesn't actually. He's more like Michael Bay, where he thinks he's being cool, and he isn't. I, I like actively don't think he's good at what he does, so that's my personal bias on Kojima stuff. But even trying to look at it objectively, this is like the fourth time we've seen Death Stranding. No one has any idea, any better idea of what the game is today than they did originally. Yeah, but and so again, my thing is like, stop wasting our time. Like, like, they spent so much time on Death Stranding, you have no fucking clue what this is. That was like, everything they showed is complete and utter nonsense. So why show it? That's kind of my frustration. Give that time to another game that is actually a game. I guess, I guess, but like, you know, they have to, like they have given Kojima a lot of money. They have to show people what he's doing and they have to give him his platform to do his thing that he does, you know? Why? So give that to him when there's something to show. Because he's still a big name in the industry and people want to hear. But show something when you have something to show. This was, this to me, this to me was so much worse than Andrea Renee sitting down next to Vince Sampel and asking him to announce his Star Wars game. Oh. Because we already knew this existed, and we learned nothing from this. I, dis- I just, disagree. I, I don't want to go on a whole thing about it, but I am so fucking done with Death Stranding. Like, I am so done hearing about it, seeing it. I just, I actively hate this game. Okay. And that that is, that's just me, but like, it just, it, Frankly, it, it pisses me off. Like that, it, it feels like it is kind of disrespectful to people's time to show this kind of stuff because it's nothing. Like what we saw is nothing. You like, and I don't it's think not, that's true. It's not gameplay. You're not learning anything about the story or the characters. What you're doing, it's I don't like it. This it's a title card. 
this is a title card thing. We we learned and, we learned a new act. We learned two new actresses that will be in the game that we didn't know before. Um, we okay. saw one of them eat some little thing that she says keeps the time fall away, which we know the rain is called time fall, and it ages things when it hits. Which what happened when he reached for the photo, drop yep. hit his skin, and his skin aged. Um, and then like in what was the most uncanny rendering of goosebumps i've ever seen crawled up the dude's arm uh because and apparently like the one girl like they're talking about levels of something and like she is a higher level he has a different package than she does so she can actually see the invisible things he can just kind of sense them when they get near Mm -hmm. so presumably other people can't at all um and then the only way he was able to see them at all was by hooking up and now we know that the fetus powers the little clap trap thing, the little clap right. clap light thing. We know, that, which is a cool thing. Yeah, I like. We, that we know the fetus powers that, and like something they they said like, oh, you can't even though you can't die, even though you're gonna come back, you'll still leave a crater there. So even so, we know like maybe gameplay implication. There's like, okay, even when you die, like the effects of when you lived, like it's not just a respawn, like a time re- rewind when you die, like you die and you come back and what happened happened. Um, mm. And then that leads people to be like, maybe the fetus is actually like another version of Norman Reedus mm-hmm. and something with the whole like time travel thing, not time travel, but like manipulation of time is what allows the fetus to be able to see the things or whatever. I don't know. Like, there's still a lot of questions, but it's this drip feed of information that keeps it interesting. And I can understand how that's not enough for someone who's someone who just sits there like, I just want to know what the fuck the game is so I know whether I'm going to buy it or whether I know I should keep paying attention or not. I get that. But that's not fucking fun. That is no fun. This, no, like, I totally the drip disagree. Feed, the mystery, that's fun. It's fun. We just, we just talked about The Last of Us Part Two. And how they're dripping information and leaving things without context. And you don't really know when things are happening or what is happening. But you know what the game is. And granted, it's a sequel, to be fair. So there's assumptions to be made. But with all of that mystery, they have shown gameplay of how you are interacting with the world of the game. And for an announcement, I don't expect that. But this is now at least the fourth time we have seen Death Stranding. And we still have no idea what this is as a video game. And whether that's because they're holding it back or it's too early and it's not set in stone yet to where they can show it, I don't care the reason. Stop showing it. If you don't have anything to show, don't show it. Well, they had plenty to show. But it's bullshit. Again, we've said, like, there is there is just as good of a chance that everything we saw in this trailer won't be in the game at all. Because Kojima has done that before. And you can look at that, like... I'm not saying you are a Kojima fanboy, but people that are fans of his can look at that and say, like, that's what's cool about him is he tricks you. And, like, that's sure, but it's also misleading people that are buying something from you. It's false advertising. So I don't know how cool that is. Like, it didn't work out very well with Metal Gear Solid 2 when people didn't realize you played as Raiden the whole game. Yeah, but people came around on that really hard. It was, recently. The, it was the no, not recently. It was the initial shock reaction, but then people played the rest of the game like, okay, this game is great. I don't think so. I think I, so. I I hear just as many not now, but a couple of years ago, people hated Mass Effect or Mass Effect Two, Metal Gear Solid Two because of the Raiden Raiden stuff, 
it's only been recently that I've heard people change their minds. And I think a lot of that is because of Metal Gear Solid Five, and people are big Kojima fans because of what happened with Konami, that people are just like unequivocally on Kojima's side. And that just annoys me. And, and again, it's just my personal opinion on his work. I just don't think he's good at what he does. And so that obviously impacts all of my opinions on his stuff and like why this mystery is not interesting to me because I have not seen proof of how he can turn those heady concepts into something meaningful. He has never done that before. So why should I believe that he's going to do that with this game? See, and like, I don't, that's where I disagree with you because like he has like, he like early Metal Gear Solid games have a lot of like, um, the idea of uh, people like technology taking over people's lives and what that does to them socially and like how that affects like global politics and how people are given messages through advertising and stuff. Like even right. early Metal Gear Solid games called that before it even happened. I'm not, I'm not arguing that the ideas aren't good. I'm saying the execution of those ideas are not good. It's he's like David Cage. He has these things that he wants to talk about, but he does not have the talent or facility or whatever to do it in a meaningful way. And so to me, it comes across as being, like where David Cage's stuff comes across as being very shallow, like the whole Detroit Become Human, like, oh, it's obviously an analogy to racism. Like, the fucking androids sit at the back of the bus. Like, it's the most shallow version of the themes he's trying to talk about. Kojima's the opposite, where, like, his stuff is too ethereal and unknown and, frankly, batshit, like, insane over the top that it's hard to take any of it seriously. That's where I'm coming from. Like, to me, this Death Stranding stuff is not impactful or dramatic or compelling because it's nonsense. Like, all the Metal Gear games are nonsense. They might have really cool things that they're trying to say and topics they're trying to cover, but they do so very poorly, I think. And I know yeah. you disagree. Yeah, well, yeah. I do. And I, yeah, it's completely subjective of how you look at it. It That just is what is frustrating me about Death Stranding is... If you're going to show us something, show us something. And I know you listed off some like, oh, this opened up new mysteries, or this might be this or that, or whatever else. Because you're engaged with Kojima and with Death Stranding. But to someone who... I would be interested in this game. Like, I could be interested in this game. If they show me what it is, what I'm doing, what the story is, what the world is, what is happening, I could be interested. But they, he continues to not do that. And so at this point, I'm just done. Like, at this point, unless something crazy happens, I don't care about Death Stranding anymore. And that is annoying to me. And I feel like I, I'm, I feel like I'm not at fault. I feel like that's an understandable reaction to have about this. And, see, and I, I feel disagree. like I'm not alone. I, I feel like that's ignoring the wide swath of people that find value in it. No, I'm not saying that everybody reacts this way. I'm saying I don't... It's not like... But earlier I'm you said my, that it was disrespectful. You felt that it was disrespectful to people's time. Yes, I, I do think that. Because he's not showing anything. I'm not saying just the game in to general. you personally, he's not showing anything. But anyone who's interested in any part of that game, which to me, it just sounds like you're largely not. But to anyone who's interested in any facet of that game, or just Kojima in general what he showed does have value because of 
the drip feed of information and because of like the forum posts that will come of this because of the, the discussions that the community will have because of the information obfuscated or misleading or not because of those conversations that inherently makes it valuable yeah for the people that are that are hardcore interested i I'll, i agree with you on that because you got something out of this but for people that aren't big kojima fans what is there for me to take away from this? That That is what it is. And that, granted, I am only speaking for myself, but I feel like I represent a big chunk of people. And, and I've seen a lot of people online reacting similar. Even people that like Kojima, that were excited about Death Stranding, are now kind of turning on it and saying, like, you just keep showing us bullshit. Show us something that actually means something. Not yet more mystery. We have enough mystery. Might be part of what it is. And for the people that are very engaged like you, there isn't, like, there's no such thing as too much mystery. Because you like that. I get it. I'm just saying for us folks that are not the hardcore Kojima people, there is nothing for me in this. Like, there was nothing new. No new kind of thing for me to latch on to. It was more weirdness that we've already seen. More of the same weirdness, I guess. So it is what it is. I hope the game is great. And I hope the people that want to like it are able to like it. 100%. But at this point, I'm kind of fed up. And then we saw a trailer for Neo 2, which seems cool. Uh, yeah, actually. Did you did you play the first game? I played a few hours of the first game. Yeah. Um, and I... Th- mm. I like the environments because I like that kind of dingy Japanese kind of um, oh, what's the word like um, what oh, what's the word for like Japanese farmland and um, there's like shacks and stuff. Uh, it's a ah I can't think of the name of it, um, but like those like very small hut villages. Right. Um, small, like, very wooden building, thatch roof kind of stuff. I like that aesthetic. And, like, it was mm-hmm. really dingy and dark and then full of these demons. It's very, very cool-looking game. I didn't think it necessarily controlled as well as a Souls game, which is not saying a whole lot, because I don't think the mm-hmm. Souls games control all that well either. Um, and a, a lot of the systems... I guess maybe it's just because I've spent more time with the Souls games that their systems aren't as confusing and like un or impenetrable to me but like this felt a lot of the systems felt impenetrable um yeah. and maybe it was just that like i hadn't spent as much time in that universe uh, right but like i don't know I, I know a lot of people really liked it so mm-hmm. um and, and like i guess it was is weird in this trailer they talked about like how cuz in the first neo I mean, of what I played, of Souls-like games, the whole thing is, like, you don't really die. You come back, and you keep fighting to do this thing. But it seems like in this one that he kind of wants to die, but he just can't, which is an Hmm. interesting twist. Like, Mm -hmm. every time he dies, like, he never achieves, like, a true death. And that's kind of, like, the tone, or, like, the message that I got from the trailer, which is an interesting twist on that. Yeah, that's cool. I'm, I was interested to see this being announced so soon because didn't Neo come out last year or was it 2016? That's a good question. I don't know. 
either way, like this was, it's pretty early on for this reveal. And granted, they didn't put like a date on it or anything else, but it seemed like a pretty quick turnaround to announce a sequel. Um, they closed the show with Spider Man, which we don't need to spend a ton of time talking about. I know you aren't all that interested in it. Or I guess I should say, like, did anything about that kind of make you come around on it? Um, what they showed of it. I was I went from going I will never play this to I will play this if it's ten dollars. All right, and, That's and an I'm very bored. <laughs> yeah, I I um I continue to be confident that Insomniac can nail the character of Spider-Man. Yeah, like I, I think, think this is going to be a great Spider-Man game. Like, don't yes. get me wrong, this looks phenomenal. I just have zero interest. Yeah. And, and I watched some other gameplay demo trailer things after that. are It's more of like the regular combat. And it is very Batman Arkham, just with the Spider-Man kind of flair. Yeah. Um, so it's a lot kind of faster moving, a lot more acrobatic than Batman's was. So that, I think, is good. It's not like it's a brand new combat system. Right. But I think it fits this game. Yeah. What they showed at the press conference... I really liked the setup of the story because, like, they introduced the new Sinister Six that are going to be the villains of the game. Yeah, and they're like, oh, who's going to felt... lead the Sinister Six? And right. then, like, smash cut an hour later to the show floor where it's a giant poster of uh, Norman Osborn running for mayor. And it's like, oh, I wonder who's going to lead the Sinister Six. <laughs> well, we don't we don't know that because at the end of the demo, there's that little thing where, like, Spidey looks up he's and there's like, a you? dude who's like, Phil, he's like, you? Yeah, that doesn't necessarily have to be Norman Osborn. I've seen a lot of people, which I would also prescribe to, that it's Mysterio. Uh, yeah, I guess it could be. Because they're kind of, with the Sinister Six, they're kind of making it a combination of old and new characters because, like, Mr. Negative is in there and he was, I mean... He's not a new necessarily character, but um, he hasn't been in comparatively to right. in Spider-Man lore of like a hundred fucking years. That character's been around. He's new in that sense, but anyway, um, kind of what they showed there, the web swinging in the city looks incredible. Yeah, like that. It just makes me think of Spider-Man Two. Yep. I can't wait to just fly around. It looks like it's so much fun. The actual combat looks very fun and engaging, but the kind of sequence where he's chasing Electro and he's kind of just like swinging from thing to thing felt really guided and kind of monotonous. And then the boss battle against Shocker that they showed to me, looked really repetitive. Yeah. Uh, it didn't look all that interesting to me. So I don't know. I'm a little up and down on Spider-Man, but uh, from a core thing, like seeing the actual combat in action, and knowing Insomniac's track record of writing, I can pretty confidently say, like, this is going to be an, at least an 8 out of 10. Like, it might not be an amazing game because of some of the things that I noticed, but it's not going to suck. I, I can at least be confident in that. Right. So, I'm excited about it. Um, I want to see more. I want to see more of the story, I think. Yeah. Uh, and how kind of how that works, because we haven't seen that much of the story yet. And then after the show, immediately following the show... Uh, they went to like a little PlayStation segment where they also announced Deracine, which is another From Software game that I think is exclusive to PlayStation. I think but it's it VR. is more. It is a VR game. Okay. You're right. It's a PSVR game, so that would make it exclusive. Well, they might bring it to other systems. Who knows? But other VR systems. But um, it is kind of like a story-focused narrative. One of those like uh, walking simulator kind of type. Um, it looked to me, um, it just seems interesting cause it's a from software game and it seems like something very different than what they traditionally do. So I- I'm curious to see more about that. Yeah. I don't, I don't know a whole lot about it 
from the trailer. Right. Like, it doesn't really tell you a whole lot. But knowing yeah. it's a From game, I mean, I, I'm i not going to buy a PSVR. Right. But I, I'm, I, I would be interested, like, if it were to come to a platform like Oculus to see what's what. Sure, sure. Uh, so I guess on general, I think, I mean, it sounds like you were more excited about the Sony press conference than I was a little bit. Yeah. Some of the pacing stuff I didn't really think was that great transitions between their big games with the smaller trailers and stuff. And obviously you got a lot more out of Death Stranding than I did, right. which is a big piece. But um, I thought it was a solid press conference. At least for me, three of those four games all look really awesome, really solid, which is a good percentage to have. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. I mean, it was a weird kind of press conference, something they've never done before. I'm not sure that it was wholly successful, but I feel like you can say that about most of Sony's press conferences. They always do something really weird every year. Yeah. Like three years or two years ago with the PS4 announced, it was just like trailer, 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 yeah, it trailer. Live all music. it was was just trailers. Yeah. And then last year it was more, a little more interactive they had, like, where they the had like the live. <laughs> well, yeah. And like the, the live studio band that played the music for the, the trailers and stuff. Which oh, I thought that was two years work. ago. Was I think that? it was last okay, year. Okay. Um, but anyway, they, they always do something a little out of the box, and it doesn't always work 100%, but at least it makes their press conferences a little more interesting than just like a standard... Like, Microsoft has really done a great job of standardizing their process, and like the flow of it always works. It's always like point A to point Z. It feels good. The pace is good. But nothing about it is like weird or surprising and so sony at least to me surprises you with their press conferences i'm not sure which one is better to be honest i felt like microsoft had the better press conference this year because i thought some of the pacing with with sony's was kind of bad but um certainly a lot of the games they showed looked pretty awesome yeah absolutely i thought it was really strong again like i think between sony and bethesda it's a tough call for me for my favorite yeah uh, and then on Tuesday, we closed the press conferences with Nintendo, who had a not as great showing. Um, thankfully, there isn't a ton to talk about since we're already almost three and a half hours in. <laughs> but just to run down, I mean, we don't even need to really talk about these that much. So Damon X Machina is like a crazy mech game with some heavy metal music. I liked the vibe of it, yeah. but it looks like a B-tier kind of game that I'm probably going to forget exists. Um Xenoblade Chronicles 2 they showed, which looks good. Yeah, uh, again, it's one of those... I don't know if it's... Because there's already... I don't know if this is like an expansion to 2. Or what? Because isn't there already a Xenoblade Chronicles 2? I don't think so. Because Xenoblade Chronicles was on Wii U. I don't think there's been a second, second one. There has been a Xeno Chron- Xenoblade Chronicles... I think there's a second one already. Because this was Xenoblade Chronicles 2 and then, like, a subtitled thingy. I feel like it's, like, an expansion or, like, a different version of the game. I don't know. It's got some JRPG stuff going on. Shows how much I know about that. But, again, this is one of those JRPGs where I was like, this looks pretty good. I might want to check this out. And then they had a little segment on Pokemon Let's Go, which basically confirmed to me that I don't want to play this. It's, I mean, it, it is, like, this is, it's a kid's game. That's fine. I just... I don't, it's not for me, and so I just won't play it. It is what it is. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm bummed that this is what we're getting this year for Pokemon, but as long as the core Pokemon game next year is what I'm looking for, I can't be mad about Let's Go existing. Um, 
that's kind of where I am on that. Yeah, same. Super Mario Party, nobody wins. Nobody wins. Uh, yeah, I guess because this was kind of, it was kind of a bad trailer because they didn't really show that much of the game. Like it was a lot of snippets. It was hard to kind of get context of what the boards looked like, what the mini games were like. But people that saw it after the press conference said that they're actually making some pretty significant changes to the way the mini games work, and they seem better. Like Mario Party always gets shit because it's like not a good. There aren't good games. And this, it seems like maybe they're making it a good game. So lies. we'll see. All lies. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Who knows? Um, and then we got an announcement for Fire Emblem, The Three Houses. Another JRPG where I'm like, yeah, maybe. But Fire Emblem is a lot more hardcore than I might want to be with JRPGs. Right. Overcooked 2. I know a lot of people love the first game. I never played it. Uh, it, it looks cute. I like the style, the chef kind of making food thing. It yeah. looks fun. They're making some um, gameplay changes. Like you can bring a plate over to the food and then put the food on the plate. Right. And like just some yeah. you know, quality of life things. I think you can throw the food now. Something. Right. I think you can throw the I food. I think that's true. Yeah. Yeah, to each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then um, a trailer for Killer Queen Black, which as I read, I'm not realizing. I don't remember what this game is. It's that 2D... Uh, I don't know if it's like just a if it's like a multiplayer. I think it's a I think it's a multiplayer game. I think it, it used to be an arcade game, like a multiplayer arcade game. And I think, yep. <laughs> um, and then they announced some <laughs> DLC for Splatoon Two. I'm sorry, I, I don't. I realized I wrote that down and I didn't. I feel like we've done a good job. We knew what every game was until now. I don't. I don't remember what Killer Queen Black was. I remember I the look of it, but I don't remember like what the, how the game is structured. I know it's two D and has like pixel art stuff going on, and it, you, I know it used to be an arcade cabinet. I don't remember if there's like a story that you go through or if it's just like, hey, there's four joysticks and buttons on this arcade cabinet and y'all fight each other. Well, that's way more context than I had, so don't I'll remember. take your word for it. Okay. Um, yeah, d- DLC coming to Splatoon two. It's cool that they continue to support that game, and obviously with the Squid Boy and Squid Girl coming to Smash, yeah. which is what they closed the show with, and like half of the press conference was Super Smash Brothers. Even as someone that is excited about Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, this was way too much Smash Brothers. They, like all this detail, like it was so bad. I, just, I almost turned it off. I just checked my phone earlier because they started talking about Smash, and I totally tuned out for about two minutes, and then. My fiance called me on her lunch break, and I talked to her for a half an hour. So that's 32 minutes because um, my phone says I was on the phone with her for a half an hour, and then there yeah. was, like, another 10 minutes of Smash. It was crazy. It was, like, almost 45 minutes of Smash. It was so crazy. And then the Treehouse Live started with more was fucking Smash. Smash Brothers. Yeah, yeah. So what you were it saying so before bad. about Death Stranding, like not respecting people's time, <laughs> what the fuck no. was this, Shay? <laughs> I 100% agree with you. The amount of people that give a shit that you can play as two different versions of Roy and even their voice is slightly different. The amount of people that care about that has to be less than 10. Like, who the fuck was all this different? Like, you know, Fa- Falco has a new Final Smash and it's a little bit different in this way. Like, there is so much detail that doesn't matter at at all and i have to imagine that it comes back to like last year they announced all these games so like they announced yoshi and kirby 
and the core Pokemon game, Metroid Prime 4, Bayonetta 3, all these big, huge games that clearly they can't show yet. Well, Yoshi comes out next year, but all these other games, they don't have anything to show. And so it's like, what are we going to do? Like, just show a bunch of random trailers for these mid-tier games? No, we need to have our anchor game, which is Smash, which makes sense. But, like, this was so, like, have a half-hour press conference, bro. Like, you don't need to fill an hour if you don't want to. That was, it was so bad. And, like, so if they're going to talk about it on the treehouse afterwards, yes. put all of that stupid, minute yes. BS info there. Oh, man. And, like, when they first announced that, hey, every single Smash character from every Smash game will be in this. That's all they needed I was to very say. hyped. I was very hyped about that. The more I think about it, and there are a couple new characters too, you know, uh, uh, Ripley, no, Ripley, is it Ripley or Ridley? I always mix them up. Ridley. Ridley and uh, Daisy, that kind of thing. And like a lot of characters from the Wii U version, which I never played. But the more I think about it, the more I'm kind of like a little underwhelmed because it's more than just an update of the Wii U version because it's every character, but it still feels like there's not a ton new. Like, there's no new subspace emissary mode. It's just, I don't know. Something about it, I'm not as wowed about Super Smash Ultimate as I want to be. I will still play it. I'm excited about it, but I'm not as excited as I want to be. I'm looking forward to playing the um, the eight-person free-for-all, though, because that was in the Wii U version that I never played. So that, that'll be cool. But man, that was it was such a disappointing press conference. Especially because so I was things. waiting to hear about all of those other games they yes. had previously announced. And then it yes. was just And now we're gonna talk about their animations. Man. And now we're gonna talk was, about their final smashes. Oh what about assist trophies? And I was like, What the fuck are they doing? Yes. I was mad. I, it Nin- angered me. Nintendo and EA both, to me, had, like, actively terrible press conferences. Like, Ubisoft was a little hit or miss. Square was kind of pointless. I really liked Bethesda, Sony, and Microsoft. But Nintendo and EA both were like, you have wasted my time by me watching this. Yeah. Like, like Death Stranding was, was like, six or seven minutes. You can get up and go to the bathroom. Sure. You can check your social media. And there was was plenty. like, like 40 minutes. Yes. There was still plenty of other good stuff to come after Death Stranding, so I didn't feel like I wasted my time with that at all. I could have I mowed my entire lawn. <laughs> right. And you would have felt uh, like you spent your time better yes. than that crap. And I had Man, just mowed so, it. So bad. I could have mowed it again. Yeah. So I wrote down a bunch of games that were kind of missing from E3. We're three and a half hours. We'll talk about this next episode and kind of break down the stuff we wanted to see but didn't. Um, maybe some things that uh, are we know about but are surprised we didn't see, that kind of thing. Yeah, we're going to have a big, we're, beefy segment on stuff we've played yeah. and all that stuff. Yes, absolutely. So we'll call that an episode. No hate of the week. This is just our E3 extravaganza. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this kind of breakdown of everything there. Hopefully you're still with us three and a half hours later and still interested. Um <laughs> But we will close the episode with the same thing we always close the episodes with, something we don't hate. So today I don't hate video game hype. Even as jaded as I can be when they show, you know, Cyberpunk, uh, Last of Us Part 2, like a lot of these games that I've been looking forward to still gives me those feelies. Those little like pringling feelies of like, oh, video games, video games. I love video yeah. games. Especially after and like that has not gone away. a couple times this year feeling like, I just don't I don't get excited about games the same way anymore. Yeah. And then you yeah. do. 
And you're like, yes. And there, okay, yes, yes. There, there are always there are always exceptions, but like it feels like they're they are becoming a lot fewer exceptions where I can't get really hyped about a game. But there were so many. Like I, I'm putting together a list of my hottest games from E3 2018. This will be the fourth year I've done it on ShadesEverything.com. And um, in the previous years, it's been like 20 to 30 games typically. And this year, kind of my short list was 64 games. And I'm not going to have all 64 because that's an insane thing to write, much less read. But there were 64 games here that I am really excited about. That's a lot. Yeah. So that that's a, it's that's that is a solid for as disappointing as some of the press conferences were. That's a solid amount of games. Video games continue to be good. And uh, I don't hate just E3 in general. So like mm-hmm. a lot of my most anticipated games weren't present, but I really enjoyed like what was there and like having new things to look forward to always excites me and like it's always my favorite time of the year for giant bomb content apart from yeah. maybe their holiday stuff their game of the year stuff. right the game of the year stuff. It, like it happens at the two it's like the two halves of the year um mm-hmm. and it's like it's just what what a great time because they always do these amazing couch interviews just phenomenal stuff going on there yep. too um it's a good time and it's right around my birthday yeah. <laughs> start of the summer what a great yeah. way it's good. What a great way to start it off. E3, it's just a, it's, I mean, I will be very sad when and if E3 kind of fades and becomes a little less relevant because it already is. But like, it just something about just that biggest week in gaming of the year. There's just something special about that that I really like that there, it, there isn't something like that for movies or TV and books and comics. Like that stuff doesn't really exist in those other mediums that I enjoy. So there's something special about it being in video games. Yeah. So that's going to do it for this episode. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, write in info at shadeseverything.com or like shoot me a message on Twitter at shay underscore castle. If there are any games we missed, big games we missed, or like if you have any kind of differing thoughts, if you uh, like Kyle, really like the Death Stranding thing, write in to tell me that I'm stupid for not being a Kojima fan. That's totally <laughs> fine. We'll talk about it. Um, and make sure you check out shadeseverything.com. I have my graded scorecards for all the E3 press conferences. And um, the week that this releases, this episode releases, I will also have my hottest games of E3 breaking down all the biggest and coolest games. Obviously, a lot of the ones we talked about today um, in more detail. So thanks, everybody, for listening. And we will see you next episode. Peace out. Peace out.